Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To promote my new flower shop, I had one place print my business cards, another print my brochures, and a third, my signs. Now my roses aren't red, my violets aren't blue, my geraniums look dead, and I don't know what to do. Staples can help your business stand out with signs, banners, and brochures that are a true reflection of your company. And now with Staples, spend $50 or more on print and marketing services and get $5 off your next in-store purchase. Now my business is blossoming and I'm spending less green. Exclusions apply. In-store only. And 623 Tonight's episode of PWR Slam may contain language of an adult nature, which is extremely adult. No one under 18 is encouraged to listen to this program. Thank you. This is Bill After from OneWrestling.com with several of my friends. Sir, what you gonna do, brother, when PWR Slam on the Graveyard Network runs wild under... Wait a second, you can't say that. Sorry. This is Bill After for Wait a Second, It's the Dream. You talking about PWR Slam on the graveyard. Funker, come here. I don't want to talk if we're on PWR Slam. After, come here. I was just trying to say this is Bill After from OneWrestling.com, and I'm proud to be here at PWR Slam on the graveyard. Good evening, wrestling fans. My name is Sadistic Sean David. Don't turn that dial and don't click the X because you are listening to PWR Slam on the Back to Basics Radio Network. It is 8 o'clock. I got to say, turn the dial? Boy, how old are you? (laughs) (laughs) This is PWR Slam on the Back to Basics Radio Network. And we are vastly approaching, Steve, as I have told people uh, that are listeners of other shows on Back to Basics, we are quickly approaching two things. The first thing is episode number 50. 
All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Couple weeks away from that. And we are about one month away, Steve, from our one year anniversary of being on the air. One year. Yeah, I know. Isn't that amazing? Boy, would a who would have ever thought that? And to think how far this show has actually reached. Uh, I mean, when we started this, uh, we were just looking at a uh, local audience within the uh, Chicago area, and yet now we've got a reach that's actually international in scope. I mean, we're talking uh, people in Europe and Asia that uh, listen, download our show via iTunes, Oh, it's it's just it's just amazing. It's just amazing to me, Sean. Really, oh, it's, so. it is one of those things to me that when I was approached with this because I started doing radio before PWR Slam actually came about. I was a part of PWR or uh, Pro Wrestling Roundtable on another network with Cody. So when I got presented with this opportunity and it was going to be, you're going to be the main host, and, you know, I was like, okay, I can do that. You know, it'll be a once-a-week thing, no big deal. You know, we'll, we'll have some listeners from the other networks, and we'll be fine. And it has just grown into this phenomenon, right. excuse me, phenomenon. Exactly. That is becoming right. bigger and bigger as the days go on. And it's a lot bigger than um, any of us could have imagined. I do want to send a shout-out to, to, uh, to the Graveyard Radio Network. Uh, they hosted a good majority of our shows in the beginning. So I do want to thank them because we are fastly approaching Episode 50. Without them, it wouldn't have been possible. also want to thank Back to Basics for giving us the air time for this evening and our future shows. And there are going to be a lot of changes coming to PWR Slam within the couple uh, following months. In the month of October, we will be getting our monthly Ladies' Night. Right. There you go. There you go. That, that'll be a lot of fun. And, of course, uh, one of the things that we talked about is our uh, diversity. We've uh, encouraged and embraced controversy, and we brought in people who's, uh, you know, Connections are not just to the wrestling business, but to other things as well. And speaking of that, Sean, let's uh, go ahead and introduce... Before we go to our guest, um, there's okay. going to be another thing that we're going to be doing uh, here in a couple months. Uh, we are going to be doing a comedy night. Yes. Although we this is not just any comedy night, because uh, uh, a couple of our comedians are, in fact, uh, uh, professional wrestlers themselves. So, uh, is that, we're not just bringing stand-up guys. that I want to announce, because it was brought up in the chat earlier this week, we have been asked for it by you, our listeners. We are going to have it. There will be a night in the near future. It's going to be Ribs and Road Stories Night. The whole oh. night dedicated to Ribs and Road Stories. And in this business... We got a ton of them, <laughs> uh, and I'm and I'm sure our first guest has got uh, got quite a few, as our second guest will. So, uh, well, without any further ado, Sean. That being said, let's get to our first guest of the evening. He is a former professional wrestler, and you can watch him on the show 
American Diggers. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to PWR Slam, Rick Savage. Hey! Hey, we got to save that one for a bumper, Sean. That's excellent. That's excellent. Rick, good evening. Thank you very much for joining us. We do appreciate it. Hey, it's absolutely my pleasure to be here with you guys and to all you folks listening around the world. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Oh. Oh, man. All right, already got us going here, Rick. So. <laughs> All right, so why don't you take us take us back to uh, the beginnings here? I mean, uh, oh, uh, if you're you know good born uh, Southern boy in that, uh, you know, where did where did the uh, where did the first uh, oh connections to uh, wrestling? Oh, and I'm going to use that term because I know down south that's what it's called wrestling. Oh. Where did where did that develop with you? Hold on, Steve. My God, you are a big man. Six foot five, two hundred and ninety pounds. Woo! That's a big boy. Well, more like more like six four, three forty, but I'll take it. <laughs> now remember Wikipedia exaggerates in some in some instances. <laughs> Yeah, two uh, yeah, I don't think the internet, guys, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I don't think the internet stopped exaggerating when people were to were able to exaggerate their penis size. I mean, hell, if we can exaggerate <laughs> our penis size, let's exaggerate our height and weight. <laughs> I agree with you, man. <laughs> I'm glad you. I'm last glad you went ahead and put that. Last time I peed off a bridge, my. My weenie knocked a guy in a boat in the eye underneath. It was ugly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yes, folks, Yeah, to answer your first question, which was, uh, you know, where where did I get into wrestling? I grew up in a small town in western North Carolina called Silva. Um, the only thing around it of any, of any note, that anybody would have heard of would be the Cherokee Indian Reservation and uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and Western Carolina University. That's really the only landmarks around where I grew up that anybody ever knows anything about. But I grew up right in the heart of mid-Atlantic wrestling territory, and as a kid, I grew up watching Wahoo McDaniels, the Rock and Roll Express, you know. I got to Mm -hmm. enjoy watching Terry Funk in his prime. I got to watch... You know, Tully Blanchard, Ric Flair. I got to watch who, in my opinion, those mid-Atlantic guys were some of the, they were the people that created the wrestling business that I, uh, as one of many, inherited. And, you know, mm-hmm. to me, the golden age of wrestling was the was the 80s. All right, all right. Yeah, um, yeah. another guy that uh, started out in that promotion, uh, back to a uh, friend of mine, uh who uh, also uh, trained under Wahoo McDaniel, Chris Chavis, a.k.a. Tatanka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Chris Chavis and I worked a show together in Concord, North Carolina, 
it was like a week or two before he got the call for uh, WWF to go up. And uh-huh. he wrestled Manny Fernandez at the show. It was a little, oh. you know, a little independent show. He was still War Eagle Chris Chavis, and it was South, you know he was still with South Atlantic when Manny was the booker. But I remember uh, sitting down having a, he was the absolute nicest guy, you know, just mm-hmm. friendly. I asked him some questions about bodybuilding, and then it turns out I went to uh, college on a wrestling scholarship my first semester back in 87 to Pembroke State University, and, you know, it was Chris's hometown. So it's like, ah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome guy. Awesome guy. He's definitely a uh, blast. So, yeah, so you started out uh, watching the uh, Mid-Atlantic in that. So um, now, uh, now, I, now I understand that uh, you're actually your first uh, training started out uh, – with uh, with a friend of yours, actually. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I was in the Army, and I had blown my knee out actually wrestling for the 82nd Airborne on the uh, post-wrestling team. I blew out my knee in practice. So I okay. was getting a rehab. I, was a little, I had a personal trainer. The guy's name was Chuck Smith. He was an independent pro wrestler. Uh, he went under the gimmick Helmet Hessler. And he, okay. I saw this big, huge guy behind the counter in this tanning salon when I went in there, and I'm thinking, oh my God, this guy, look, he looked like a pro wrestler, and of course, I asked him, he said, yeah, I'm training with Ivan Koloff and Bobby Fulton, you know, I'm starting to work with South mm-hmm. Atlantic, so that got me into it, and then I meet Chuck Justice, who's the guy I went to high school with, you know, I go home, I didn't have the money, to, I couldn't afford, you know, to go to Ivan and Bobby's school at the time, so I go home, you know, I get out of the army and I run into a high school buddy that started a wrestling school in a garage in Waynesville, North Carolina himself. And, you know, one of the self trained kind of things. But then, you know, I took it, ran with it, got some bookings, and then made it to a South Atlantic show where Manny Fernandez saw me, liked me, and then my first T V match was in South Atlantic and it was against Wahoo McDaniels, which was a true yeah. honor for me. I got. I gotta say, you know, that must. I mean, I, you know, with I, with all the guys I've been in the ring with, and that I didn't get to be in the ring with Wahoo, but boy, I got to. I got to watch him a lot because uh, up here in uh, the Chicago area, he was a mainstay in the AWA for years, uh, and that. And I always, I always loved his work. Uh, in fact, uh, last match, uh, last match, he actually worked in Chicago. Um, in his strap match, Super Clash Three, Manny Fernandez. So, <laughs> yep. a lot of a lot of connections right there, and that. So, That's so what was it actually like? Yeah, what was it like to be in the ring with the Chief and that? I mean, I know, you know, I mean, the chops. You can you can you can hear those things. You can hear those things up in the top row when he when he pulls one of those off, and that. You know, Chief was great. I mean, I got in, you know, it was funny. I walk up to him in the dressing room, you know, because they say, hey, you're working with McDaniels. Now, I'm I'm, I'm so green. If I walk outside, people try to try to run over me with lawnmowers, man. I am that green. <laughs> I, and then now I'm being told that I'm going to wrestle my childhood hero as a wrestler, Chief Wyoming McDaniels. So I walk over, and, you know, Chief's sitting over there putting his boots on and putting on his outfit. And I said, how you doing, sir? I didn't know how to, I'd never met a big star before. You know, I come from the indie scene. 
for a month. So I'm like, how you doing, sir? Um, I'm Rick Savage. I'm working with you. Uh, we're like fourth match. You know, basically, how to, I'm used to people calling, you know, let's sit down and go over some spots. He looks up at me, and he's like, we'll do it in the ring. He looked back down, and that was it. I was dismissed at that point. I'm like, oh, my God. I never had lived a match before. Oh, my gosh. We got, in the ring, yeah. we got in the ring. I listened to everything he said. If, 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 why, who would have said, lick my armpit? I probably would have done it. Whatever Chief told me to do in that ring, I did. The match went well. And I took the chops. I thought, you know, I've been chopped by a wrestling legend and a football legend. And I said, you know, there's a lot worse places you could be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, things, and then I know things take off from there for you. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, I. Well, this is your story, so you tell it for us here. Well, after uh, after that, I just kept doing the independent scene as much as I could. I tried to get as much ring time, and you guys know what the independent scene's about. You know, that's where that's mm-hmm. where you learn the wrestling business, or the wrestling business eats you alive. You know, it's the independent mm-hmm. to me that's the best training ground in the world. You know? Yep. Yep. So I'm out but on the independent. <laughs> Yeah, I worked with a lot of great talent, you know, because I was in the Mid-Atlantic Territory, so I got to work with guys like White Lightning, Tim Warner, Bullet Bob, you know, Scott and Steve Armstrong, Tracy Smothers, Ricky and Robert, you know, the Rock and Roll Express, uh, who are still two of my closest friends in the wrestling business, you know, the maestro, Stro, yeah. a of mine. I mean, I got to work with George South, Italian Stallion, you know, all the... Yeah. You know, I gotta say because I grew up watching. Yeah, because I was gonna say because uh, I know one of the yeah one of the promotions that you worked with uh, was uh, was with uh, was with uh, Stallion and South and uh, I mean I know of course I know their work from uh, from uh, their uh, work as you know well what we now call enhancement guys what uh, what us old timers call jobbers you know in WCW and that. So, you know, I well, the good thing just for Stallion. Stallion actually taught me the the tougher side of the wrestling business, and he did it on purpose. He did it everybody. So you, he, it was almost like the guys that'll when you're married to them, you first move into a territory and you get married to one of the big stars, and they stiff you every night until finally you mm-hmm. come back at them because you've had enough, and then they're cool after that. They were just seeing how much you take. Stal was kind of like that. You know, we used to call PWF, which was Stal's, you know, Professional Wrestling Federation. We used to say that stuff for please wrestle free because, you know, it was always, it was always a tough shit and pain. But you got a lot of ring time, and Stal was a great worker, and, and he would always, you know, try to help you. But he would teach you the pretty much how to fight for your money. You know, Stal was one of those guys. I'll pay you, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to work for it. And, you know, that taught me a valuable lesson about dealing with promoters. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. All right. All right. So, okay. So now you, so now you take from, take from there and, um, 
so then so then what so then what was your next step that uh that you took Al from uh go from going uh with uh with Stallion and South there? Uh, yeah, Stallion and South I was you know, I worked with them a little bit and then I went on to uh well I got, I became friends with uh Nelson uh Frazier who God rest his soul, Viscera. You know, we're mainly yeah. from the. Uh, you know, he was a he and Bobby, his partner. They were wrestling with Stal too. They were called Harlem Knights. Right. And, right. And, uh, they went out to Memphis and worked with Lawler for a short time. And next thing you know, they were in WWE, get a big push. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, maybe I need to go to Memphis. But I didn't, you know, I didn't know anybody there. And then I, I started working a lot with Jimmy the Bookie Woogie Man Valiant. And Jimmy really became my mentor, and Jimmy taught me the business. He taught me how to develop my character. He taught me how to make money in an autograph signing, you know, how to basically. Jimmy taught me how, how to be a pro wrestler outside the ring. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, so I toured with him, and, and he was teaching me. And next thing I know, Jimmy's getting booked with USWA, in uh, Nashville at, the fair, at a fairground show for Lawler. And he told me, he said, Brother, you know, brother, come out there. I'll introduce you to King, man. We go back a long way. He'll take care of you, brother. <laughs> so I go out to Nashville. He takes me. This is a true story. He takes me. God, I, I, I don't want to. <laughs> Harry Lawler, if you're out there anywhere, this is definitely not meant to insult you or anything because I love Harry Lawler. <laughs> I'm sitting, I'm in a dressing room, in a heel dressing room, and, of course, Jimmy's in the face dressing room. They're not connected, so I got no way to, to I'm just sitting there with a bunch of people. Eddie Gilbert was still alive. Eddie was in there, you know, Skullbond Crush, you know, Big Vito. They're all in there, and, of course, nobody knows who I am. I don't know any of these guys, so they're basically, you know, we have all decided that I don't really exist in that room, you know. So I'm just kind of sitting back watching, and nobody's talking to me. So finally, somebody comes around from the other dressing room and says, hey, you know, uh, King wants to see you. So I go before the King, who was in the dressing room on the other side. I walk in. He's sitting behind like a lunchroom table, butt naked, all right? And I, I look, I'm, true story, I'm, I'm sitting there like, that's different. You know, and there was a, there was a, you know, it's a dressing room, there's a shower, everything in it. He was sitting at butt naked and behind the, ta- behind the table, and he looks me up and down. He said, "Handsome tells because they call Jimmy Handsome out there." He said, "Handsome tells me uh, that you're a good worker." He said, "I trust his recommendation. When would you like to start?" And I was like, "Wow, you know, I just mm. got hired by the king, and he's naked." And <laughs> I gave him my date, and I came back in that same place, and I started a month later. <laughs> wow, yeah. Now, of course, uh, a lot of people uh, uh, who are uh, hardcore wrestling historians at the, definitely consider the Memphis territory probably one of the one of the biggest, one of the hottest territories that uh, ever existed in the in the territory era, and that. So, now kind of kind of talk to us. You know, I know you weren't there a long time, but talk to us about you know what it was like during that period that you were over there. Yeah, I wasn't there very long at all. I only worked uh, one loop with him because, you know, at, at that time, 
you know, what I needed to live on and, and what I was able to, to make out there just, just didn't didn't make financial sense for me, even though, mm-hmm. you know, the territory. We were doing arenas at that time. I got, you know, I got one of the great thrills of my early wrestling career was I got to wrestle in a main event in the Mid-South Coliseum. And Ooh. it was an eight-man tag match. I was, it was me and, gosh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Was I remember we, it was the Moon Dogs, Eddie Gilbert, and uh, Tommy Rich were who we wrestled against. And it was me, the Spellbinder, and I can't remember the other two guys. I think maybe maybe uh, Gaylord and somebody else. Okay. Brian, okay. I can't remember. Yeah, it was an eight-man tag. I'd already wrestled one match earlier. You know, they were trying to get me over, so I'd come in. My first match at the Mid South was I got a you know I got to squash somebody, and then they brought mm-hmm. me back into the main event because they needed a babyface, you know somebody forget somebody hadn't made the show so they had me I actually wrestled that match in three different places mm-hmm. but I got to do the I got to wrestle Nashville Memphis um, Louisville Kentucky you know all of them arenas and those are the first time I'd ever wrestled in an arena and it was just what an amazing feeling it is. Mhm. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Now you now you went from there, and then uh, um, now from what I understand from there, you went ahead. You actually uh, uh, left that and uh, and went back uh, and went back into college, if I'm really correctly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I was going to college the whole time, but you know, wrestling. I was on the road. It was kind of tough maintaining a college schedule and being on the road. I had a lot of professors that were willing to work with me on, you know, extending some things and helping me out a little bit because they knew what how much time it was. You know, right. So, but, I, you know, wrestling, you know, helped me put me through college. So I got my degree, you know, paying for it by getting hit in the head with chairs. But after USWA, <laughs> You know, I, I did, I always loved the independent scene, no matter where, you know, because the independent scene is like, it's laid back, everybody's having a good time, it's not as much pressure, you don't have all the egos and everybody trying to stab each other in the back, it's pretty much just laid back, and that's why I love the indie scene. So, every time you go into a major federation, it's a, it's it's like, now it's it's the real thing, it's business, it's work. It's competition, it's backstabbing, it's all of it, and it and it can be frightening, you know. And I was a small town guy, so you know, I, I'll admit it. Sometimes I would, I would almost psych myself out and say, "Man, I don't know if I can, if I can handle this," you know. Uh-huh. But I, my next, my next real break was, I started riding with, uh, well, his name then he was wrestling as Dave Jericho, but he uh, is now known as Kid Cash. We started riding okay. together. And we spent about uh-huh. a year on the road together. And uh, one day, I remember we were watching ECW Wrestling on TV, and I said, man, we need to drive up to Philly and do that. And we're both broke, of course. We got no money, and we're figuring we got to drive to Philly and then get a hotel when we get there. You know, But I get a whole, I knew Mustafa from the Gangsters, and I knew, uh, and, well, I knew, knew Jack and Mustafa, and I was in I was pretty good friends with Robbie Van Dam at the time, so I got a hold of uh, Mustafa, found out where everybody was. We we drove up to Philly together, got coasted in on fumes, you know, get to the hotel where all the boys were, 
down in South Philly, and of course didn't have enough money for a room. So mm. we literally our first couple of nights in ECW before we got a you know before we actually got to wrestle and get paid, we slept on Rob Van Dam's uh, floor in his hotel. Oh. Mm. Wow. Wow. So. Now I know. Now I know from there, um, because of course you've been you've been using the Savage name and that. But then um, you get over there, and and Paul and Paulie says to you, um, you know, I think we need to make a little adjustment because we don't want anybody confusing you with Randy. Yep, right. That's exactly what happened. He was like, you know, Rick Savage is a cool gimmick. He said, but you know, I don't want to draw any new heat. From, from you know, at that point, I think it was WCW, maybe where he was at, where Randy was at. Sure. He was like, I don't want to, you know, cause any problems. He said, so can you? What's the difference? I said, well, how about Rick Rage? Because I thought about that, and he was like, hey, I like that. So then I became Shane Douglas's bounty hunter, Rick Rage, and then you know, Shane was feuding at that point with the Pitbulls. And right. one of the pit bulls, yeah, Anthony was still working, but his partner, which I can't remember his name, he was out with a Gary. Yeah. Yeah, Gary. So they had me wrestling. I got married to Anthony for a couple of shows, which was wonderful because he was such a such a good guy and a great worker. God rest his soul as well. Mm-hmm. He's like 25% yeah. of the people I met in ECW are dead, but... He was a hell of a worker, and I had a, I had a couple of great matches with him in Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, the ECW people were great. You know, Polly was great. Loved, you know, what an honor to get to say that I worked for Polly Dangerously. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. What was that like? Because I've seen the new DVD that's out. I went back and rewatched it. I was able to find all of the footage. And, man, some of the, oh, my God. Just wow! I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's it's it definitely gave me yeah. another perception on the wrestling business. You mean watching ECW back when it was really ECW? No, watching Paul Heyman's new DVD. Oh, I haven't seen Where? I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, yeah, because uh, he goes he goes back and he and he shows some footage that uh, hasn't really uh, seen Aaron like. What about fifteen years or more? Wow! So yeah, I remember watching Paul. I remember watching Paulie breaking uh, breaking his cell phone over Jason Hervey's head at one of the uh, <laughs> Starcades. I think it was great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's and that's the thing. I mean, you know, I know one of the things, of course, about oh about Paul is that uh, realistically, I mean, the guy was a booking genius in that. Uh, what was it, so what was it, I mean, what was it like to actually uh, sit there in a locker room with him and have him drawing out all these plans for what was going to happen? You know, working for ECW, I mean, I didn't work with him very long. You know, Kid Cash stayed longer. It was just, you right. know, I met my wife, my my wife Rita, actually, in that time frame, and I retired ah. from the wrestling business, so I didn't really stay in ECW long. But I enjoyed the time I got. Paul was great. 
you know, obviously during the shows, he's watching the shows and, you know, he's he's keeping an eye on everything. But, I mean, I got to work with some amazing talent. You know, Robbie Van Dam was there. The Gangsters were there. Right. Tuco Scorpio was there. Um, the Pitbull. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got to work with, I got to work a match with Gary Albright, another God rest his soul. Oh, yeah. in the band. You know, I got to work him. I got to spend a lot of intimate time with uh, Louis Piccoli. Another guy dressed his soul. I know that's starting to be a yeah. pattern. And then I also uh, got to hang out. And ECW is kind of clicks. You had the Tommy Dreamer, and then you had the Taz, then you had the Sabu, and I fell into the Sabu click because that's where Rob Van Dam was and all that. So I ended up spending a lot of time with Sabu. I'll never forget, we were coming back. We did a show in uh, Staten Island, which was the first show that I wrestled for ECW, and it was me and... Devon Dudley wrestled against Spike and Bubba Dudley. Okay. That before, you know, that was before you know Bubba and uh, and uh, Devon became a tag team. So I we, I wrestled that match, and then we come we're coming back, and we're staying at that hotel in Philly. That was kind of home base. And I'd never been in the Northeast driving. I didn't realize there was like a five dollar toll every fifteen to twenty feet on every road <laughs> in New York. So Jericho, who Kid Cash, you know, Kid Cash and I ride together. We 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 now have no more money. We go through one more toll booth. We have no more money. You know, we don't have a cell, but we have nothing. We're following Sabu's car. The car Sabu's in. Well, luckily they stopped at one of those little service areas where I was like they wanted to grab something to eat, and I just you know, Cash was like, dude, what do we do? And I just walked up to Sabu and I said, brother. I'm ashamed to have to do this, but we're like flat broke. Can you can you help us out? And he did. Sabu like bought us our food. He gave me, I think he gave me like a fifty dollar bill, and was like, you know, he's like, pay me whenever you see me again. Don't worry about it. It was just really cool. So another wow. great experience, you know. Wow. See, and that's now see, that's one of the stories that you don't you don't hear. I mean, you know. When a lot of a lot of the talk about Sabu doesn't always get the he doesn't always get the most positive press in that. So it's nice to hear something, you know, being said being said about the about the man that's in a in a positive vein. So that's that's really great to to hear something like that. So Sabu, I mean Sabu. Sabu and Louis Piccoli, you know, I were and Rob Van Dam. Well, man, Sabu treated me like gold. I can't, I, I mean, I can't say enough good things. I mean, he was always friendly. Sabu was the one that kind of pulled me aside in ECW and kind of told me the way things were, who was who. I mean, he kind of gave me the, you know, the here's the playing field here, you know, mm-hmm. how you navigate it's on you. But I'm going to give you, you know, he, he kind of, and he did that to Cash, too. So he kind of helped us out. And then, of course, Brian Lee, primetime Brian Lee was at the time, and it was there at the time, and he was a Tennessee guy, so we knew Brian. And Brian kind of hung yeah. with us because we were the Southern boys, So he and he was a big wheel up there at the time. He was main event. Mm. So with Tommy Dreamer, that was in the, uh, you know, the, when they fell through 20 tables or whatever it was. So, you know, right, the, yes. Yeah, yeah, that was during – you know, that year, and Brian kind of took us under his wing and kind of, you know, 
looked after us as well. So we got we were I was lucky up there. I got to work with some great great talent, you know, Sandman, mm-hmm. you know, Tommy Dreamer, Raven, all those guys were really great. And, you know, other than Axel Rotten splitting my head open with a steel chair. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh wow! So well, guys, I'm gonna come back on and I'm gonna bring uh, somebody on with us. She's been waiting a little while. I'm sorry, I've been putting the uh, weekly trivia questions trivia questions in the chat, and uh, we'll go over those here a little bit later, guys. Um, and guys, I actually want to encourage you instead of putting the answers in chat. You guys can go ahead and call in with your answers. We're not, we're not afraid for you to call in with your answers. So the questions are in the chat. The call-in line is 646-478-0073. And uh, I'll go over the first couple ones that I did, Steve, really quick. And uh, right. the first one was 24 years ago today, who did the Texas Tornado defeat? to win the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Oh, I'm too stoned to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, that, that was bad. That was bad. Uh, hey, hey, Rick, meet our, uh, our Canadian girlfriend, uh, Tank Girl. Yeah, he can call me Kate. The talent can call me Kate. Oh, ooh, you got privilege. You get to call her Kate. <laughs> well, she must have a thing yeah. for tall guys. Hey, no, no, honey. Oh, no, honey, it's the bald head. (laughs) 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 Bald head goes with You know that Steve's got a bald head, too, don't you? Yeah, he does, doesn't he? (laughs) Yes, they do. (laughs) But you look like a dildo with ears, so it's okay. Oh, (laughs) Oh, man. Never well, guys, getting back to the trivia, uh, the winner yes. uh, was he defeated Mr. Perfect. All right. At SummerSlam. So, so. And then we'll go yeah. over the rest of them later. You guys can call in, and uh, don't be afraid to call in if you can. Yes. Yeah. And we'll go over the rest of them later. There's been some good ones. There's one major one that we're going to cover here in a little while if we get some downtime, because 20 years ago today, something happened that changed the entire industry. I'm not going to give any more hints than that. Yes. Although, although, our, although our first guest here uh, definitely knows quite a bit about that, I'm sure. Right, Rex? <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> Oh man! So, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. Getting back, getting back to this. Um, now, um, when did when did it finally kind of? Yeah, you sat there and said, "Hey, wait a second. You know what? Oh, uh, I'm I'm at the point now where this where this isn't where this isn't really you know it for me anymore." And you decided to finally go ahead and and hang them all up. Well, I had three back surgeries. Um, you know, I'd blown out a lot of discs. I had, I'd already had a left knee reconstruction when I was wrestling in the Army. You know, concussions, broken wrist, you know, you start going, you guys know the deal. When you start going down the list yeah. of injuries of a pro wrestler, 
over over a span, I started to get sore, and then I meet, you know, my my wife Rita had three children, so you know, I the wrestling lifestyle, you know, wasn't conducive to somebody like her who had never mm-hmm. experienced it or didn't. She just, you know, happened to fall in love with me. I happened to fall in love with her. She had three kids, so. I picked that as a time to retire from the business and become, you know, a father and become a a husband and and try to get a real normal day job and, you know, do something, you know, different with my life. And I knew in order to do that, because wrestling is an addiction, when you do it, once you get bitten by the bug, once you get in the business, it's like you'll never get out. So the only way I could do it... You, uh, you had uh, you had a reconstructive surgery on your left knee, and you had three lower back surgeries. Mm-hmm. Yep, and a broken back. Yeah. Oh shit! Oh my god! Oh man! Yeah, so I've been beat to I've been beat to death. So I I you know I was ready ready to retire at least you know take some time off. So I knew in order to make it work, I would have to abstain from wrestling completely. That means don't watch it on TV. That means, you know, don't go out of your way to get a hold of the guys. You know, that means, you know, nothing to do with wrestling. And I did that for almost 15 years. And then one day after my show airs, you know, in our, in our second season, I got a, I got a, uh, a message on Facebook from a wrestling promoter in my hometown that was doing a benefit for the Special Olympics. And he said, you know, I know if I put you on my card, I'll draw more people. He said, would you would you be willing to do it? And I said, mm-hmm. you know, of course, wrestler. You know, the first, you know, first question a smart wrestler asked, I'll have a table to sell my gimmicks on, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah I'm there, you know. It's five minutes away from my parents' house, not a problem. So I showed up at the show, and it sold out. It was the National Guard Armory. They were standing room only. We had over 300 people in there. And I got, I came out of the dressing room, the music played, the crowd spit up and popped for me, and I was right back in it. You might as well have stuck a needle in my arm. <laughs> I, I, have, I have told that, I have told that story as to, what it's, as to what this business is like many times. So, yes, I completely understand what you're saying there, brother. So, so you, so at this point, you've already got the, got the show on and that, so... Which uh, how yeah, did how yeah, did yeah. that how did that come about? Let's let's kind of you know let's kind of go ahead and get into that a little because uh, I doubt because there's some stuff in in within your other field of expertise that I definitely want to get into and I'll explain why here shortly. Well, it's weird. I was out of wrestling, out of entertainment for the most part. I was working. I was a national accounts manager, you know, and I got into outside sales, which was a way I could still be on the road and I could still do sales presentations and be in front of an audience. And it was kind of like a, like, you know, it's second best to what I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm running a company. I'm running an auto parts distribution company in Virginia. And one day I get an email in my personal email box from uh, a production company, Gurney Production. Now, Gurney, I'd never heard of Gurney Productions, didn't know anything about Ooh. any of this stuff. But Gurney Productions now is the company that produces Duck Dynasty, and they produced Auction Hunters and Haunted Collector and a bunch of other shows. But obviously uh-huh. Duck Dynasty being the one that did the best. So right. I get this email that says, 
Savage Station TV series or something, and I'm reading the email, and it's this guy saying, hey, you know, we'd like to have you for a host of a television show, blah, 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 you know, read up on you, like your business, you know, I know that you're metal detectors, and you and your family kind of do this together, the whole thing. So we had a conference call, and that was all it took. They, you know, they were out within like three weeks. We shot a pilot. Um, I took them to a couple of spots. We went digging. They shot a pilot. They had already sold the idea to Spike before we shot the pilot, so it was almost a formality. And then we shot the pilot, and then a month and a half later, I'm on the road, you know, for three months shooting our first season. So it all happened within a within a 90-day period from the time I got the email to the time I'm on the road shooting shooting season one. Wow. Wow. All right. All right. So, and, and so, and so primarily a lot of what, uh, um, a lot of what you, what you've gone after in that are, uh, Civil War artifacts, right? Yeah, Civil War has always been my passion, and, you know, mm-hmm. hunting Civil War battlefields, you're more likely to find actual artifacts than you are, I mean, you find trash everywhere, but when you dig house sites, you dig ton bucket fulls of trash, and when you dig a Civil War battlefield, you get some, oh, you know, pop tops and shotgun shells, but, you know, a lot of your hits are good hits, so I like digging mm-hmm. Civil War sites, and, you know, to me, it's about the history. If I can reach down and pick up a bullet or any piece that I just dug, I know the last person that touched it was the soldier that dropped it in that exact spot 150 years before I got there. And now in some weird parallel universe, my life and my soul just crossed paths with his. And it just sends chills up and down my body. So I just yeah. love it. It's it's my love for that history. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds, okay. really, sounds really cool. The ultimate the ultimate for me would it be to be finding a bayonet or something like that. Have done that. That would make my day. Wow! Yeah, cool. Wow! Well, <laughs> you know, it depends. It's weird. The stuff that you that you think would be the coolest to find, like a bayonet or a gun or something, have the least value as opposed to finding a button mm-hmm. off of a uniform or a belt buckle. Yep. A Confederate uh-huh. belt buckle, a Anything. standard uh, CSA rectangle belt buckle sells between three and five thousand dollars retail. Holy yeah, it's, cow. It's the and same they're... as, as uh, wow. it's, 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 it's the same thing for uh, any political buttons you find from, say, back in the 20s and the 40s and whatnot, and yep. earlier than yep. that. Absolutely. Right. There's certain Confederate yeah. stuff is worth a lot more than I Union stuff. Teeth. So, yeah. Right. Damn right. Now, now, um, now have you ever uh, done any exploration, and this is where I'm going to kind of get... Uh, into a personal thing uh, for my end on uh, with the uh, with the origin of the uh, whole situation with the Civil War, the uh, Harper's Ferry raid. I have been to Harper's Ferry multiple times. Actually, my wife and I spent one uh, New Year's in Harper's Ferry because it's such a beautiful town and so untouched by mm-hmm. modern. But I've never done any digging there. The whole town is kind of a, a historical site, and you know, without yeah, probably if can't it's a touch park it. or a national park. Yeah, if it's it's, it's you've got to be real careful digging a place like that because they, the local people don't 
you know, don't appreciate it and the local history people don't appreciate it. And sometimes, you know, you're in violation, you know, you're digging somewhere you shouldn't, even if you have permission from somebody in a building. So, uh-huh. you know, it's okay. Just, yeah, because you know, I was wondering. Right. Because I was wondering what there, what there might exist to that because, um, in fact, because uh, my great uncle, five generations back on my mom's side, is John Brown, the guy that organized oh, the shit. whole Harper's Ferry, Harper's Ferry raid. Yeah, and the massacre of Potomatomi Creek as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so uh, and of course, you know, the controversies about Uncle John just, you know, I continue to this day, and that because that's you know, sort of like that's one of those things that I was sitting there going. Man, you know, I'm just, you know, I was wondering if there was anything that, you know, there might be that exists from that that uh, you that you've had a, you know, a chance to, uh, you know, lay eyes on or you know, have, get your hands on. I have held. I'll tell you some things that I have held in my hand. I mm-hmm. have held in my hand an original John Brown Pike, which is. Were, it was in Harper's Ferry Armory with Brown. He was going to take these pikes and arm slaves with them. I've actually held one of the original pikes from that group in my hand. I've actually, because a friend of mine oh, owns it. Wow. You know, they are some of them out on the open oh. market. So being able to hold something that was there at that time is just another, you know, gives me chills. That's You can't go wow. back in time, but... That's as close as you can get is touching something that was there. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. man. I would love to, I'd love to be able to see I'm, that. Like you, that. Know, you know, again, because like I say, I mean, you know, that's I mean, because that's fam- that's personal family history right there. You know, let alone the fact that it's uh, something that in- that affected our entire country. So well, never go to a museum with me. The- <laughs> Yeah, after the after the Civil War, John Brown, the armory there, the little building John Brown was in, they called it John Brown's Fort, and it was disassembled and taken to one of the World's Fair, maybe maybe in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, they brought it back and they reassembled it in Harper's Ferry, but it's not in the original location. It was the night of John Brown's raid, so. A little bit frustrating on the history from somebody like me. It's like, why in the hell would you dismantle a historical structure and take it and make an exhibit of it and then bring it back? I mean, if you, you've just broken the integrity of that forever. Mm-hmm. So that, wow. that frustrates the hell out of me. But, yeah. you know, you can still go there and see it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. All right. So, Okay. Hey Sean, why don't we go ahead and talk about uh, the the uh, event that uh, changed that changed wrestling, and, uh, and maybe uh, Rick here can kind of uh, throw a little uh, throw a little uh, you know, behind the scenes history of it, since uh, this well, is something he would know very well. There, uh, that uh, tied yeah. into this, they both happened at the same event, so I'm going to go with the secondary question first. And then we'll, we'll go with the main thing that changed wrestling history. And, Steve, hopefully you'll know the answer to this. Twenty years ago today, Cactus Jack and Mikey Whipwreck defeated who to win the ECW World Tag Team Championship? Since I'm the one who came up with that, uh, 
question originally uh, this uh, morning, uh, I can tell you that. And the answer is, uh, again, <laughs> two, uh, dear fr- two dear friends of mine, God rest their souls. Uh, one of the highlights of my career was when they put me through a table, Public Enemy. Correct. Rocco oh, and Johnny. Yeah, man. Johnny. Rocco oh, and Johnny. God, I miss those guys. We had, We used to have a blast. So... All right, and the other question I laid out, 20 years ago today, excuse me, who did Shane Douglas defeat in the finals of a one-night tournament to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship? And what happened after this match? Uh, Rick, go ahead. You, you, should, you, should, you should be able to tell on that one without any question. Well, I you know you'd think, but gosh, I can't remember. What, uh, I want to say Ric Flair, but I don't know if I'm right or not. Incorrect. Yeah. It was the night that Shane Douglas won the NWA World Heavyweight Championship and then proceeded to spit on it and throw it down, picking up the ECW World Heavyweight Championship and oh. renouncing ECW and claiming himself as the Extreme Championship Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion. I do remember that. I do not remember who he wrestled that night, though. I remember when it happened. I I I remember. I can tell you who he wrestled. Another, another, another friend of yours that uh, that you were with around the time, none other than Too Cold Scorpio. Oh, Too Cold, my man. Yep, yep. Yeah, uh, one one of the one of the great guys in in this business. I mean, uh, some of the, some of the stuff that that he could that he could do off off the ropes. I mean, to this day, just still amaze the daylights out of me. Yeah, he was. I mean, that double gainer he did was amazing. You know what I'm thinking when I watch it? I'm thinking, who the heck did he get to lay there for him to learn this move on? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, yeah, how many times did he do with the... We had two more questions that we did in the in the chat. 19 years ago today at SummerSlam, who did Bertha Faye defeat to win the WWF Women's Championship? Oh, gosh. Alondra Blaze, and shortly after that, she would leave WWF for WCW, taking the WWF... World Women's Championship with her and throwing it in the garbage on Nitro. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. And 19 years ago today, who did Shawn Michaels defeat at SummerSlam to win the Intercontinental Championship? What type of match? All right, guys, come on. That That should be easy. And we did have somebody get it. Jonathan Taylor got it. It was Shawn Michaels. He defeated Razor Ramon 19 years ago to win the WWF Intercontinental title at SummerSlam in a ladder match. Yeah. Actually, V3 got it first. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, okay. 
No. So, all right. So, um, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, Rick, you know, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us real quick uh, yeah, as far as uh, when uh, the uh, next season of uh, Savage Family Diggers is supposed to start and uh, what uh, – what maybe what maybe uh, you know, fans uh, can expect uh, from uh, you and the family in uh, in this season's uh, episodes? Well, you know that show. We're not doing that show anymore. I'm actually uh, in. I'm on the cast of a new show, and it is a pro wrestling based show. Really? Oh. Well, yeah. tell us. Tell us. I can't give. I can't give away much. But I can tell you that I'm I'm in the cast. Matt Hardy is in the cast. Uh, Rebby Sky is in the cast. Nick Searcy from Justified on FX is in the cast. And recently added Tiny Lister is in the cast. But I can't. You can Google. If you Google Matt Hardy um, and look through, uh, it was in three of the pro wrestling, I think pro wrestling uh something online, some of the three blogs that picked up on it. So All that right. part's already out there, so I don't I'm not scared to say that, but I can't obviously talk about anything else. But we're gonna be hopefully be filming in the next uh six to eight weeks. Okay, okay. Well I'll tell you what then. Um would you once you can let it out of the bag Go ahead and uh, let us know so we can uh, get you back on, and then you can talk about it. Absolutely, be be happy to. Yeah, we're just you know right, right now everything's in pre-production, waiting for a date. But uh, I have a feeling all the wrestling folks out there are gonna absolutely love it. It's what they've Wait. been waiting for. They just they just didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's done. That sounds great. That sounds great. So, well, I'll tell you what, Rick, if you don't, well, Sean, go ahead. No, go ahead, Steve. Uh, I was just going to say it was a pleasure to have you on, Rick. Uh, I don't think we have anything else for you. Tank Girl, do you have something? No, not really. Excuse me. Not really. I'm good. All right. All right. right. Have a great evening, sir. Yeah. You too, Kate. All right. You were great. It was a <laughs> twist of fate. It is never too late. I will miss you, darling. <laughs> I, feel all, I feel all special and junk. <laughs> Rick, one more thing I need Go, you to baby. do before you sign off for, for the evening. I need you to cut a quick little promo for us. You can say whatever else you want, but I need you to say at the very end, you're listening to... P as in Peter, W as in William, R as in Russell, PWR Slam on the Back to Basics Radio Network. Not a problem. And whenever you're ready, you can go. Sorry. It's okay. I jumped the gun. Hey, everybody out there. This is heavy metal Rick Savage from Savage Family Diggers at Spike. And you have the privilege of listening to PWR Slam all Back to Basic Radio. Boom, boom, boom. Excellent, excellent. 
thank you, thank you very much, Rick Savage. I'm gonna look. I'll be looking forward to watching the new show that'll be coming out. And please get back on here when they, you, the details can be broken, and we'd like to be the first ones to break the story for everybody. All righty, not a problem, Bob. Hope you guys have uh, a good night. Good night, PWR Slam Nation. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, brother. All right. right. Well, we do have our next guest with us. I'm going to put him in screening, and uh, Steve, I'm going to place you in screening. We're going to go to a song break, and we will come back in about three minutes. All right.
I was with your mother. Her name was Pam. And it was a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. I was a nine-pound lobster in her bearded clam. All while we sat back and listened to PCWR Slam. I am the lyrical miracle, the sexual intellectual, and the quintessential stud muscle, Joel Gertner. You are listening to PWR Slam. Keep listening and have yourself an ear gap. All right, Steve and I are back. Uh, Tinker will be back with us here in a couple minutes, and we will have right. that ten bell toll, ladies and gentlemen. Four years ago today, we lost the late great Luna Vachon. Ah, yes, that's right, Roy. Hard to believe it's been so long in that. Um, so, um, and uh, I've been asked by our uh, guests to go ahead and uh, make sure that uh, we give out the number. He's also going to post it on his Facebook. And our number here, folks, is 646-478-0073. Make sure you uh, go ahead and uh, call in with your uh, with your questions here and that. Um, so, uh, Sean, are you ready on, uh, on this end? Yes, I am. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to present to you at this time, he is a He is one of the most old-school names we could get for this show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to PWR Slam, Big Bully Music! Hey! (laughs) Uh, Nick, welcome to the the show, brother. Thank you so much for uh, coming on this evening. We really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. I got a nice big fat stogie lit up here, and I'm smoking a fully vitamin fortified cigar. So let's let's get this show on the road, and we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Okay. All right, all right. You were in the bowler. Oh, good. Hookers, hookers don't know anything about hookers. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to screw with Nick a little bit. You are on the right program, Nick. <laughs> yeah, they fuck with everybody. Don't worry. All right, <laughs> uh, uh, guys. Yeah. Step over each other. I can't understand what you're saying. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's go ahead, Nick, and kind of get, uh, get your basic background because um, while a lot of people – who uh, know of you, probably know of you, of course, uh, from uh, from when you broke into the WWF uh, right around the time that uh, uh, Vince 
bought it from his dad and started to go nationwide with it. But, of course, you have a background that obviously goes back before that. So why don't you go ahead and kind of tell us about uh, where you originally came from and that and how your character, which is basically what you brought over to the WWF, originated. Sure. You, you know, I actually started with the WWF uh, back wow. in the day when Vince's dad owned it. And, uh, Ooh, and even I'm old enough to remember that. <laughs> well, that was a while ago. <laughs> I don't even think I was a sperm in my daddy's testicles at that point. You weren't. A, you weren't even a gleam in his eye. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so you started when it was WWF when um, Vince's dad owned it. Yeah, way back then, uh, got my break from a, a couple guys by the name of Mike Pedusis and Bulldog Fletcher who called uh, Gorilla Monsoon, and I had my first uh, match at the Pittsburgh Civic Arena in my hometown. Mm, wow. All right. Man. So, do you, do, you remember who, do you remember who you were in the ring with that night at all, Nick? It was Billy Red Lines. Oh, wow. Well, there's a name and a half. That's a name and a half. Well, you got to remember this, too. When I tell you, I mean, I wrestled in high school and college, but when it came to professional wrestling, I spent one week in the ring, and I learned how to tie up and take a headlock. And that's all I knew when I stepped into the ring in front of that 14,000 people. So, and needless to say, uh, how I got through that, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You must you have been, I mean, you know, I know the nerves of what it's like before you step into the ring because, I mean, you know, 26 years later, you know, before I got hurt, I still felt them in that. That must, that must have really been nerve-wracking when you, when you sit there and think, wait a second, I'm in the ring with this guy, this is all I know, and I'm in front of all of these people. So, well, wait a minute, let's take it a step further. I have yet to meet any of the wrestlers that was a wrestling fan before they were wrestlers. Now, if you right. just imagine, first of all, Bruno San Martino was my mm-hmm. sports hero growing up. But then I was a wrestling fan, and to walk into a locker room with Billy, Billy Graham, uh, Ivan Putski, oh. Kenny, Kenny Patera, Dominic oh, wow. Vinci, you know, I was I was dumped on it, but I did what I was told to do. I went to the corner, sat down, and kept my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, because that, yeah, I mean, that, that was that was etiquette back in the day. I mean, you know, especially for the new guys. You just, you know, you walked in, you found yourself a corner, you just sat there and you didn't, you know, after you, after you went around and introduced yourself to everybody, you found, you found the farthest corner of the locker room, just sat down, Put your gear on. Didn't didn't say another word. That that was the proper protocol. Yep, yep. So, my gosh. So so what? Okay. So I mean, now for those of us, you know, I'm I'm a I'm Midwest. I'm a Chicago boy. So during that time that you were over there, the only way that I even knew you guys existed was uh, was Billy After. 
and the magazine and that. You know, because, of course, for us, everything here was Fern Gagne and the AWA. Now, what was it, what was it like working that, working that territory? Because, I mean, you know, like you say, you've got Vince Sr., you've got Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, was Tootsmont still around at that time? Yeah, he was still around. I, I didn't really know him. But you, you hit the nail oh. on the head. It was territories back then. Mm-hmm. Question <laughs> for you. Question for you. Did you ever get to meet the late, great Stu Hart? No, I did not. Oh, damn. <laughs> that kind of uh, sucks. First, yeah, first time I was up in uh, Canada was with the WWF. But, uh, mm-hmm. no, I never got a chance. I'm in Toronto. Mm-hmm. and I'm in Toronto, and they used to come to Toronto. Like, uh, yeah, Calvocado Wrestling and whatnot. And he used to come to Toronto, maybe Leaf Gardens at least once a month and bring us such awesome talent. It was great. Such a great man. Great family. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Right. Now, uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but did you get to meet Luna? We did a 10-toll tribute for her, and I can't believe it's been four years. Oh, Oh, man. Yeah, actually, actually we were, uh, my family and I were friends with Luna, and uh, she spent a lot of time in our house when I wrestled in Georgia. And, uh, yeah, they they were uh, Dickie Slater. She was with Dickie Slater at the time. And, uh, you know, they were they were not only wrestling allies, but they were personal friends of ours. Mm. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So, now, now, how long, now, let's see, now, how long were you um, with Vince, with Vince Sr.? Because it was, you went there, you were there, and then... You went down to Georgia and then and then came back up, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I was. You know, I, I always used wrestling as my side income. I was a cop up here in the Pittsburgh area, and then I transferred down to uh, the Atlanta area to go into law enforcement. And when the boys down there found out they had a a new face in the area, uh, they snatched me right up. And uh, you can say that's really where I got my first push was in Georgia. And you know okay. I, I had the powerlifting background, so that's what that's what really kept the door open for me, because the first eight nine years of working was just, that was my school. I didn't go to any schools. I was just fortunate enough in those beginning years that for whatever reason Monsoon or whoever was the booker back then would always always book me, and I you know I got to work with some greats, uh, Johnny Valiant, Aaron Sakluna, you know mm. you know. I say these say this in all the interviews, but you know I used to walk in the locker room and the, and the guys go, "Oh no, who's got the kid tonight?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> who's got the kid tonight? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, that 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 must, that must have been something to sit there and 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 have them and have them go you know, talk talk about you like that. Jeez. <laughs> Oh, good lord! You know, having so. that wrestling background, you know, it was, it, I was I was unintentionally stiff a lot of times. So. Mm. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, the accidental potato shots. <laughs> I, I remember Sakuna kicked me right in the face one time, and I mean he he was he was pissed off at me because I, I I shot a double leg in on him and. and Got him pretty hard, you know. And I come back in the locker room. I says, "Hey, Mike, you, you mad at me?" He says, "Oh, kid, never mind." 
<laughs> oh my god. Never mind. Wow. Yeah. Just, man, man, Mikey's the corner. Jeez, Louise. That's again, I mean, you know I mean when when I first, when when we first got, you know, any inkling of what was, you know, obviously of course NWWF by that point, uh, which was around uh nineteen eighty and that was you know, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, you had Sakluna, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think here, uh, uh, Pete Rhea. Doherty. Yeah, oh, there's a great one, Pete, yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah, that, well, I mean, I know, I know Gorilla used to, uh, sit there and, uh, and, uh, make, you know, make fun, say that, uh, you know, with his, uh, regular jobs electrician that, uh, he maybe uh, gotten uh, too close to a couple of plunks, and that's why he—that's why he acted the way he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So, all right. So now, um, so you're down in Georgia, and at that at that point, now Vince is starting. Vince is starting to make the push. He's already he's already uh, done. The first, the first job where he gets the, where he gets the belt off of Bobby Backlund gets it to, gets it to Sheiky, and he and he uh, swipes uh, Hogan away from Burn, and then gives and then gives him the belt and starts to and starts to uh, make this move where he's starting to consolidate in that. So when did you when did you get the call? Oh, uh, that. Hey, we'd like you back up. Who, you know, when was that? And who and who got who got a hold of you? Well, you know, when all that was going on that you just talked about, uh, you, you know, Jerry Blackwell had moved back to his home of the state of Georgia, and he took over mm-hmm. Georgia Championship Wrestling. And so, all right. And, and Jerry was the one that gave me my real first push him and Joe Pettacino, but Jerry Jerry took the time to teach me how to interview, uh, and, and, you know, I worked a lot of matches with Jerry, and, and it was probably, not probably, it was a very valid learning experience, because he used to purposely mm-hmm. blow me up in a ring, I could never figure out how he was able to do that, because I was a so-called athlete, fire lifter and all this, but the man was just a great talent, and from there... Mm-hmm. Started getting other matches. Dickie Slater come in and did the booking. I learned a lot from Dickie. I had Mr. Wrestling Two down there. Joel Deaton. I worked a lot of matches with Joel Deaton. And, and oh then, yeah. And then I was able to start working with Abdul the Butcher and uh, Bruiser Brody. So that you know that uh, just a ton ooh. Of work. So did you get and forked or what? Oh, I loved working with Abdul the Butcher. I mean, that was right. <laughs> So we won't we won't get into the controversy on that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh hell no. I I don't that that whole situation is is uh, is a gray area for lack of a better way of putting it. All right, all right. So there. So yeah. So you got so you got in with okay. So yeah. So you're working with Jerry. Jerry's. Really, kind of, kind of giving you education. You've, you know, again, oh, I mean, you definitely, you know, are bringing up some names that, uh, like I, you know, that I know 
from what from what I was watching in that. So, um, so where so where does so where does the next step come in in the, in this okay. whole situation? Well, Joe Pedicino had all the TV down there, and uh, he mm. was doing a show called Pro Wrestling This Week. Him and Bonnie Blackstone. Yes. And they yes. Would get the, they would get the shows from all over the country, and, and on mm. a Saturday night, so it was really good for the local guys. And uh, that's when we landed the ESPN deal. So uh, right. I I had gotten in a pretty good conversa- confrontation down there on the PD with point blank with some guys who tried to assassinate me. And I, I sort of turned the table on them, and I also got arrested. But that's another story oh, in and of itself. But <laughs> oh, anyway, so, so I, I wound I'll up... My, I'll give you my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wound up... Uh, I was a baby face. I was a Georgia heavyweight champion. And so what we did is we did a spinoff that, and I said to Joe Pedicino, I said, look, if I'm ever going to make it in this business, I need to do something and do it quickly uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm already getting to be in, in my 30s, and if something's going to happen, it's going to happen here quickly. So I knew I couldn't wear pink tights and dye my hair blonde. So I just I <laughs> made a list of all the guys that had the same physical stature as I did. Your Bruno San Martinos, your Dick the Bulldog Briars, Crusher Lazowski's. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I got some characteristics from the steel town where I'm from, because I remember all the years I was coughing up here, what these guys would do would come in and out of the bars up here after working, and I noticed they all had mustaches and wore some kind of hat. They smoked a cigar called Brody's, and uh, I okay. described it I, I described his character to, to Joe, and he said, you just described the bully. He says you just described Big Bully Busick. And the minute Big Bully Busick hit TV, it took off like a like a rocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, um, I mean, you know, I, I sit there and, excuse me, and when, I, and when I think of the, you know, when I think of the character, when I, when I think of your appearance and that, um, Hell, and you know, don't hate me for this, but I mean, I just you know, I I automatically started thinking about from the Bugs Bunny cartoon. Oh, and oh yeah, yeah. The, no, that's the bull- when, when I designed that oh, character. Oh, the bully. Yeah. Yeah, well, right. the character. Yeah, it was all based off Warner Brother cartoons. Cool. You know, and and. I wanted to. I always wanted the boy to be cartoonish. If you watch the ESPN tapes on YouTube, uh-huh. you'll see a definite difference between the bully on ESPN and the bully on the WWF. You know, it's completely uh, two different. Okay, okay. So yeah. So why don't we so go ahead and kind of kind of talk about that? Let's yeah. You know, let's talk about that uh, that bully from Global and. Contrast him with WWF version of, of Bully. Well, you know, at the time the the, the video game uh, Mario Brothers was out, and the fans mm-hmm. just automatically picked up on that. And everywhere I went, they started chanting Mario. So you know, it was just nice, easy heat for me. But Vince mm-hmm. wanted no part of that when I got up there, oh. and I and you, I wasn't allowed to, to acknowledge that whatsoever. And uh, oh. but you know WWF was home for me, so I was comfortable up there. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then 
at the time, and I didn't know this, and I get a lot of questions about the remarks that Harvey Whippleman made in this so-called book that, that he wrote. But uh, at the time, I was experiencing uh, chronic aphib. I'm not chronic. It was aphib at that time. Developed into chronic but I couldn't. I couldn't understand why I was blowing up in the ring, and I just I dismissed it as, as stage anxiety. And uh, here right. the whole time I was having uh, AFib attacks, and that's why I was blowing up in the ring. But you know I oh get on these shows, God. and uh, I'm sure you guys are probably asking for Twitter with about Harvey Whippleman's uh, uh, remarks about the bully, and, and and you know look Harvey spent a lot of time throughout the years putting up the rings down in Memphis and tearing it down. And like any of the boys, he had a passion for the business, but he never made it as a wrestler, so he got into management. And the number mm-hmm. one rule of a manager is to put the wrestler over, not himself. But Right. Who, let me ask you this. Who was Harvey Whippleman most noted? How, who, how was Harvey Whippleman made famous? You guys answer that. Harvey Whippleman. Well, I well the, the the connection the connection that I make is Bertha Fay. Yeah, you know, it, listen. If Harvey Whippleman wasn't with Big Bully Busick, he'd have no credibility. Yeah. Oh, I so mean, what you're saying? Okay, okay. So what you're saying is he totally coattail road. Yeah, Entirely. Well, big coattail rider. I was only up. I mean, up to, my contract was two years and one year optional, but I was only on the TV for eight months, and for, for that eight-month period, for the bully to make that type of impression, where the WWE is even courteous enough today to still mention the bully all the time. Heck, they just awarded me the best mustache in the history of the WWE. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and well-deserved. That was, that, was, that, that was a classic look, no question about it. Yeah, so... You know, people ask me if I'm pissed off at Harvey for making those remarks. No, I'm not pissed off. But, you know, if it wasn't for Big Bully Busick, Harvey Whippleman would have never, never may have had any success. So Harvey yeah. would have right, you know what I mean? Yeah. You look like fighting Irish. <laughs> 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 totally, man. You should have done the pose. That would have been great. <laughs> Fucking A. Uh-huh. Oh, gosh. Oh, <laughs> uh. So okay, so now, so here you are. You're you know, you're in this company that is now starting to make a to make a big push and go national. What oh, what was the life out on the road at that point like for you and for the and for the guys that uh, that you were working with at that point? I believe we were working something like 24 on, 3 off, 28 on, 4 off. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, the schedule was pretty hectic. You, you know, you'd get up in the morning, uh, go get your breakfast, get to the hotel, I mean, get to the airport by 9.30 or so to turn your car in, get on a plane at 10, 10.30, fly to the town you're going to, land 1 o'clock, get to the gym, get your workout in, and then get to the arena by 6, 7, leave the arena 10, 11 at night. And then, uh, you know, that was repeated all, every night. Wow. Wow. Man. Well, I mean, I mean to sit there to sit there and, and hear that, uh, it's like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, ama- it's amazing. I mean, you know, you, we hear the stories about the guys who 
wound up because of that lifestyle, getting addicted to various substances and that. And I mean, it's a, it's amazing to sit there and hear you and say, you know what? The I mean, the good thing is you you went through that, and the fact is you're still you're still around to even talk about it. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm very fortunate. You know, in uh, I want to think it was around 2004, 2005. I actually had a sudden death cardiac arrest on the treadmill. So, that oh damn! Ooh. In layman's terms, I just flat died, but they managed to bring me back. So, uh, oh it's shit! The wonder that didn't happen in the ring for me. So I'm very fortunate even to be here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's. I mean. You know, it's it's especially now when you sit there and look back at it, uh, knowing now what you didn't know then. I mean, my God, that's got that's got to that's got to sit there and scare the living daylights out of you to sit there and think, you know, I had this going all the time, and oh, I'm and I'm working and I'm working in front of thousands of people in front of uh, oh, national TV cameras, and I could have gone just like that, without even realizing it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty scary. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's putting my link there. So, um, Sean, you got you got anything? You know, go, go here. Throw, throw yourself in here. Sorry about that, guys. I'm trying to uh, update the chat and get some listeners checking some things on Facebook. Um, you, you worked with uh, Jimmy Snuka. And the Von Erichs. I did. I did. Uh, what were your Jimmy, thoughts on uh, the the whole uh, Von Erich thing that the the tragedy that happened there? Did you know all? Because um, I'm trying to remember. I know Texas Tornado went, and I know one of the other ones went right after that, and I can't remember who it was. Well, don't forget when I so-called broke into the business for a week down there in Dallas, it was in this sportatorium. So you know, I didn't. I never. I got to meet Fritz. I got to meet Fritz, but I never got to meet the boys. But that was way back in when. And then you know, I, I worked a few matches with Kerry. In fact, I actually worked worked the gardens with Kerry, and uh, and, and Jimmy Snuka. I just love him. There's he, he's a great guy. I mean, there's not too many people. Yeah. Say, you you could stay in the ring with either of them for hours upon time with no problem. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm amazing so physical specimen Jimmy is. I mean, my God, no. I mean, no, and and he and I mean, you know, I worked with him years, you know, several years back in that. But I mean, my gosh, he, you know, he still had those abs, and that just which just amazed the daylights out of me. He, oh, he did. He had some seriously big abs. He had. He had Baseball fucking biceps, too. And oh, my God, just to watch him jump off the cage. But the best was when he'd sit there and he'd get that stare and he'd just turn his head ever so slightly. And it's just, ooh. <laughs> he was just sick. Yeah. He was just sick. Yeah. Now, uh, you promoted some MMA, MMA events. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I, I have a lot of protein bars. And, I, you know, I, I after going through that hard thing, I wound up doing the ablation surgery Got everything corrected and back in the swing, things training like I'm 30 years old. Created a, uh, a protein bar, and uh, I, I, I'm a high school wrestling referee. I'm very active mm. still to this day in wrestling. 
And uh, so I have some friends that are uh, UFC fighters, uh, you know, Mark Coleman, Wes Sims, Brandon Lee Ooh. Hinkle. And uh, so, you know, I just started, and I said, well, I'm going to do some promotions here in Ohio, which is right next to Pittsburgh. And uh, right. we, we run some shows. And uh, it, it's, I think I'd rather be in, in the sports entertainment industry than MMA. Well, I'll tell you, some of these guys talk about prima donna. Oh, my God. <laughs> Believe it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean... Well, I mean, we, well, I don't I mean, know those if you've guys. seen the evolution of wrestling. Um, I, I do see here that you did uh, return on the independent circuit for some autograph signings, and you even returned to the ring in 2011 at Georgia Wrestling All-Star Reunion. Well, I, I did that one, and uh, I did one other one last year, and uh, it was... Uh, it was a local promoter wanted to do a show in my hometown, and uh, I says, "Look, I'm too old to wrestle." I said, "I only got in the ring in Georgia because I spent a lot of time down there. I was the Georgia heavyweight champion, and and mm-hmm. and, I, and, I, and that was a, a three man tag. So I said I could wrestle a little bit, you know. But when you get in there, you get all fired up, and and I had a blast. But I I wasn't in the ring for like what." 15 years, 20 years. And so uh-huh. anyway, I, I did this last, I told this promoter, I said, look, I said, I'll, I'll do one more match, but you got to fill it as a retirement match. And uh, I wrestled this kid, uh, Joseph Von Schmidt. And, uh, big, oh, yeah. Big upcoming, uh, he's going to be a star. This guy's really good. And, uh, you, you know, we went in and we did our thing. And just like riding a bike, we went about 45, 50 minutes and uh, drove the crowd crazy. Mm, now, wow. I've got to ask, because I'm a promoter myself, would you consider a spot as like a special guest referee these days or like a special guest enforcer? No active wrestling, just, you know, like a referee. I, you know, I don't know how to answer. Like most old-timers, you know, we all want to get back into the ring and, and enjoy those days, you know what I mean? And, uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, I'm, I'm pretty busy and, and, and uh, I'm, you know, I have, uh, the one son who's, uh, actually done some MMA fighting and he's finishing up and uh, playing football. He was, he was, uh, he, he got a full ride of West Virginia. He was their middle linebacker there for a while. He moved over to California and university and, and he, in the off season, he he fights some cage fights. So mm-hmm. I, I, the answer to that question is I beat around the bush. Is probably probably <laughs> not, but under uh, under certain circumstances, I might consider it. Okay. Well, there you okay. go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Never count there you are. Down and out. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So now you talk I about do have uh, one last question. Yes, sir. Uh, you did have two finishing moves that were different. In WWF, you had the Bully Bender, which was the stump puller, and in GWF, you had the Bully Blaster, which was the heart punch. Why the difference? Uh, well, I love the ah. Yeah, it, it's apples and oranges all together, especially for me with the way I was built. I had trouble putting that stump puller on people, and so when I got it on somebody, that was a shoot move. That was not a work. So... 
Yeah, the faster they rang the bell, the faster I was able to get my uh, opponent out of it and quit hurting. <laughs> 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 oh, gosh. Poor fuckers. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. And that. Um, so, okay, so, you know, you talked about uh, with you know, having gotten yourself all fixed up and that and out of the, out of the, out of the ring and that. Um, so let's go ahead and let's talk about Oh, uh, what you know? You what you have done since since you since you've left the since you've left the business and that. Like say you promoted MMA and that, but also you know your uh, protein bars and all of that as well. Well, I mean, what would you like to know? Uh, like I said, I'm an avid power lifter, and that's probably that's cool. Probably what would really help push my wrestling career. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, other than Doug Furnace, not too many powerlifters really made it. Uh, right. That that worked real well, and and to this day, I I'm still very active with the strength training, and uh, uh-huh. uh, you know the, the protein bars are uh, I'm real proud of those. Uh, you can check those out on BigBullyNutrition.com, and uh, I, I work in the cast oil business today as a safety man, and uh, cool. you know they keep me running around. I'm, uh, I'm assigned to Pennsylvania, Colorado, Wyoming, and North Dakota. So little did I know, I'm back on the road again. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, you spent yeah you spent all that time on the road with uh, with WWF, and you know you get out of the ring and you're and you're still traveling. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So oh, yeah, man. It, it, it's all good though. I mean, you know. You guys do these radio programs, and you help people like me relive the good old days, you know, catch up on Indeed. things. So, it's a good thing. Oh, wow. So, now, what was what was probably your your favorite, uh, you know, the, the your favorite guy to work with, you know, during during the your during your prime during your prime years out there. Uh. I'd say there's about five of them. Uh, Abdullah was one. Bruiser Brody, mm-hmm. Blackwell, Mr. Wrestling Two. Uh, uh-huh. Who else? Uh, Joel Deaton. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I love working with Bret Hart. I mean, I that was always good. Snooker was great. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was fortunate enough that I got to work with a lot of the top names. So mm-hmm. yeah, for me to pick any certain one, no, because I learned, I learned from from everybody. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Uh huh. Wow. Wow. So now, you know, you talk now. You talk about working, of course, with uh, with Brett, and I know, you know, at that at that time, Brett was, of course, uh, you know, preliminary. He was like maybe a a third match guy at that time. So. Now, when you're working with him, did you even could you have even sat there and thought that eventually, you know, this kid with the with the stringy greasy hair and that was going to wind up becoming, oh, the company standard bearer and that for as long as he was. Well, no. When I worked, Brett Brett was the Intercontinental Champion. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that so, that was my. That was the first time that I met Brett. All right, all right. Wow. Jeez. So. 
So now, um, now, okay. So you, know, you talk about the top five guys and that that you've worked with. Um, you know, was there was there one particular program uh, or storyline that you that you you know had that you could sit that you sit back and think about and think, yeah, that was you know that was the absolute really you know best stuff that uh, we know that I ever put out there or you know as as two people we ever put out there. Yeah, there's there's well there's two of them actually. But okay. when I worked up, I worked for Dusty down in Florida. Uh, the, okay. The, Car- the Caribbean champion at the time was Irene Pride, and and we would did a little bit. Gordon Soley was the announcer, and you know Gordon could get an angle over better than anybody. Oh and God, yeah. I, I kept demanding a, a title shot against Tyreen, and you know Tyreen would say, "Well, you know you got to earn that spot." You know, setting everything up. And so finally, Tyreen was out in the ring on a TV match, and the bully comes out and throws the other guy out and demands this match. Tyreen gives him the match. and So I, I threw Tyreen, and during the match, I threw him into the referee, and, you know, he knocks the referee out, and I come up behind and hit Tyreen over the head with the belt, and then I take the belt out, and I mm-hmm. steal the belt. So for, for the next four weeks, I'm on TV with Gordon, talking about how I fairly won this championship and I'm the Caribbean champion and all this kind of stuff. Mm. So we get down to the Bahamas in this outdoor arena, and it is sold out. And when, wow. I tell you, when I tell you these fans were fired up, and the match was a very easy match, and, but, you know, you, when, you, when you work, you bring them up and you let them come down a little bit. Well, I couldn't feel the right. crowd come down, you know, I... I keep doing these dastardly things. And, and then when I, towards the end of the match, the crowd, I could feel them. They were on top of the ceiling. And, and then Tyree pulls a, a quick move on me and does a small package, one, two, three, and gets the belt. He, boom, he's the champion again. He gets up and he gets the belt. He's showing the people the belt, and they're going crazy. The whole place is erupting. Well, I don't have to tell you what the bully does. Comes from behind, schmozzes him. And takes the belt like I'm going to steal it again. Mm-hmm. It was a listen, and I and I say this with all seriousness. I, as a police officer, I've been in firefights. I've been in gunfights. Uh, I I I, have, I was never more scared in my life than in, in, in Bahamas when that crowd turned on me because they wanted to oh, kill. Me. I mean, oh they, they were not no. letting me with that belt. I mean, literally, we're not letting... The cops turned on me. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. So th- that's my favorite story. If it wasn't for Tyreen fighting me back in the locker room and the boys coming out to open up the alleyway to get me back there, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have to worry about having that, that game fifth because the fans were going to kill me. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Boy, t- boy, talk about being able to... Sit there and, and get people to believe. Jeez, that's amazing, Nick. That that's totally amazing. Oh, that's, wow. that's just classic. I mean, the nasty boys. You know, they saved me that night. Uh, mm-hmm. well, I forget which one of the Wyndhams was there. I forget which one. But Steve Kern. Yeah, it was it was great. Oh my God. Wow. So 
Okay. So all right. So we so then let's do this. What what was the atmosphere like in the locker room after that happened? After you got after you got back in there, thankfully safe and sound. I mean, that oh, must have been something. We all loved it. I mean, how, how can you not love that? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you gave the crowd. You uh, took the crowd somewhere above and beyond. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there are those times that are just so special in this business when you, you know, when you walk back after after something's done and you sit there and go, we got him. We got him tonight. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Uh, that, must, that, must, that must have been a sweet taste in post-match beer after that, I'll bet you. Oh yeah, yeah. It was, it was definitely. <laughs> that is that is awesome. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead. Let's ex- let's expand out. I mean, we talked briefly about uh, BigBullyNutrition.com. Why don't you kind of go ahead and you know, I mean, take you know, take this take this point. Give your give yourself an infomercial here and uh, help. Tell us, tell us a bit about the company, what you you know, what you do, what you produce, things like that. Well, I, I appreciate you guys taking taking the time to allow me to do that, uh, and, and I don't know that that's really necessary. If you go on on the website, it'll tell you everything about the bars. Uh, you know, it was designed for athletes uh, because of the arginine. I put arginine in on top of the on top of the uh, protein. The bars taste mm-hmm. literally. The peanut butter tastes as good as a Snickers bar, and, and then I have the crispy, cho- crispy chocolate cream. They're just—they're delicious. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I, ho- I, hope so. I hope so. I hope so because a lot of peanut taste like shit. I'll get you straight up. <laughs> it do. Yeah. Bored. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> what I'm finding out is we're getting a lot of diabetics using that bar because it's only got. Three grams of sugar in it, and uh, the arginine is very good for circulation. The gluten. Oh wow! What's the, how's All right. The, how's the gluten? A lot of diabetics can't do gluten. Yeah, now, now you're getting in above my pay grade. All right. <laughs> <laughs> my buddy can. I just see if my buddy can eat. That's all. All I want uh, is squat heavy weights and eat protein bars now. That's all. <laughs> oh man! And, and now, if you, now, takes Mrs. Bully around the house after eating them arginine bars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that now that's a story we might we might not want to. I mean, we've we've said we do adult uh, you know discussions on this show. Maybe that's what we don't necessarily want to get into. <laughs> Never mind. She's upstairs, so. If- She's upstairs, so if you hear somebody come down, I get hit with a chair. You know she's listening in. Oh God! <laughs> oh, excuse oh. me. Just burping away over here. Uh oh, Steve dropped. Oh, that's okay. We can do the we can do the show without Steve. <laughs> It's okay. There'll be less um er uh um er er uh uh. It, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I mean, I make fun of him to his face, too, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, who all do I have on the line now? Oh, you, you uh, have me, and you have, you have Sean. I'm Tank or Kate, whichever you prefer. It's all good. And I'm Sean. I have been around uh, about uh, half my life. I'll be 24 in November. I got to promote, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the name, but I got to promote with Ed Schumann up here in Illinois right before he passed sure. away in 2010. Coolidge. And, Kate, you said you remember the WWF. Tell me a little about yourself. I'll do the interview now. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what would you like to know? Um, I've been a wrestling fan since, I, I'd say, about seven years old. Very first match. Well, no, 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 no. Since about nine years old. Very first match I actually remember watching is Randy Savage beating the Iron. No, no, Tito Santana for the Intercontinental. That's what I remember. That's my very first match I ever remember. But I grew up. I grew up with, with my Uncle Cliff facing me around the house going, the claw, the claw. <laughs> Chasing me all over the place, right? So, yeah, I've always loved wrestling. I can honestly say that. And I'm not exactly a girl either, so it helps. If you say you're not exactly a girl, I'm not girly. I'm not, okay, I, I am, well, of course, my anatomy is female, but I'm not that girly girl, foo foo, she she bitch, you know. Fuck it, I broke a nail, who cares, you know? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> good, good. What else well, do you want to know? <laughs> well, I think we pretty well covered it, guys. I mean, uh, yeah, I see you guys have this station, and then you've been running it, and I appreciate being on here, and we can go from there. All right. Well, one more thing I need you to do, uh, Big Bully, before you leave. I need you to cut a quick little promo for me. You can say whatever you want, but at the end of the promo, I'd like you to end it with, you are listening to P as in Peter, W as in William, R as in Red, PWR Slam on the Back to Basics Radio Network. Okay, I'll do it. Let me know when you're ready. Go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Big Boy Music. And if you don't pay attention to what goes on here, your brain looks like a tadpole in Lake Erie because you are listening to PWR Slam on Back to Basic Networks. Fucking A. <laughs> awesome. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Big Bully. Uh, you have a great evening. We will talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. We really appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Great. That was, that was awesome, guys. Steve, I'm placing so. you on screening with our next guest. Oh, and we are great. going to song break. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the
PWR Slam here on the Graveyard Network. Just having a blast and can't wait to be back on here. Everybody tune in and listen. This is a fantastic show. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back on PWR Slam, and we are going to be going to our next guest. And Steve, I'm going to let you do the introduction on this one. All right, excellent. Well, um, a lot of times uh, folks uh, hear the uh, words Wrestling Hall of Fame, and uh, they either connect one of two things. Of course, the uh, WWE Hall of Fame, which you hear about every year around WrestleMania time, or the uh, Wrestling Hall of Fame that is in Iowa and has their uh, regular uh, banquet every year. But there is another Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, which you may not have heard about or known even exists. And this is a Hall of Fame that is an actual legitimate Hall of Fame. It is a building, and they um, take their take their class of candidates from all over the industry, past, present, corporate companies, independent companies. And so, ladies and gentlemen, representing the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame out of Schenectady, New York, our guest at this time, who is the uh, recently named uh, manager of the Hall of Fame, Mr. John Soto. John, thank you so much for being with us this evening. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for having me and uh, thinking about us and reaching out to us to be on your show here. Hey, our pleasure, our pleasure. So why don't you go ahead, John, and uh, give us a uh, history of the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, how how the idea for it even uh, got started in that, and you know, um, what you know what it what it's what it's you know taken to get to where you guys are at right now. Okay. Um, well, the president of the uh, PWHF, his name is uh, Anthony Villano. He um, he also works for the New York State Athletic Commission. So he Ooh. would have to he would have to go to all the wrestling shows or boxing, whatever came to town, and um, go to them and regulate them. And um, you know they come around this way quite often, so especially wrestling. And uh, he would have to go, and he became friendly, pretty friendly with some of the guys, and um, he became good friends with George Animal Steel, and. Um, this was this was in the later 90s, and uh, after a show one night, they went out to dinner, and they were just talking, and uh, Tony had asked uh, George, you know, when you guys are finished, when your career is done, is there any place or anything to remember you by and uh, highlight your career and stuff like that? And George said, no, we're just, we're done. That, that's it. And... Uh, he said, well, what if I were to apply for a charter to start an actual Hall of Fame? So he was like, yeah, that's a great idea, you know, and you know how things go sometimes. You're having a conversation, people throw out ideas, and nothing ever comes of it. Well, Tony's not that type of guy. <laughs> so he applied, for the, he, he applied for the charter, and um, about a year later, he called uh, George up, and he said, we're in business, let's do this. And 2002 was our first induction, and uh, we've been going strong and growing ever since. We started out in Schenectady, New York, 
um, the building that we were in had been bought, and um, they had told every, you know all the tenants there they had to get out because they were doing it for some other project. I don't know. But now we're in Amsterdam, New York, which is about 15, 10, 15 minutes away from Schenectady. And um, we have a huge building. It's two floors now. Um, we have the building next door to, to uh, us to expand some and um, make a library and, uh, you know, archives and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, everything we have inside is uh, the real deal. Everything's been donated. We haven't bought one thing because... We are a uh, 501c3 not-for-profit organization, so everything we have from pictures to uh, display cases and everything in between, the outfits, the books, the magazines, uh, videotapes, whatever it is, you know, we have it there. We Our oldest piece there is because uh, we're the whole history of professional wrestling. We're not affiliated with any one company. Um you know, so our oldest piece we have there is we have some stuff uh, that goes back to just before the Civil War. So we have, yeah, all the way up to now. <laughs> mm. So. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. what? Okay. All right. All right. Now you. Now you got. Now I got. Now I got to know what. It, what is it that you have that uh, that dates back to uh, before the Civil War? Oh, it's um. It's something in writing, actually. It's it's a kind of neat piece. It's like a, uh, I don't want to say poster, but it's it's kind of like, I guess yeah, it's kind of like a poster slash flyer type thing, and uh, it, it shows the two uh, wrestlers on it brawling and stuff like that, and uh, it's pretty cool actually. It's really cool. It's one of my favorite pieces we have. Something simple, wow. but the history of it, you know, is is awesome. Oh my gosh! Wow! Yeah. Boy, boy, Rick, Sa- Rick Savage would have would have liked to have heard about that, wouldn't he, tonight, guys? <laughs> yeah, he no, I'm sure he would have. Yeah. <laughs> Both oh man! Because <laughs> I mean, there you go. You combine two of his passions: wrestling and the Civil War. Yeah. So. But uh, uh, wow, we actually have. Uh, in a couple of weeks, in September, September 27th, we have the Titans in Toronto. We do it's a fundraiser dinner we do in Toronto. Um, the uh, there the you Megan go, Katie, brothers. There yeah, the Megan brothers I'm put in it Toronto. on. <laughs> it, well, there you go, September 27th. I hope you're there. Um, so don't even, don't even, man. That's the day after my 17 year anniversary and my man's birthday. Fuck it. Uh, <laughs> September twenty seventh. Hey, thank you. Um, it's wrestling. Yeah. That's more important. <laughs> yeah, uh, there'll be. Uh, oh man, Dominic Danucci will be there. Uh, Wolfman oh. Willie Farkas. Um, oh man, so many, so, so many people. I, I can't even think of all their names right now off the top of my head. Oh my but, uh, yeah, God. we do things like that uh, all over, um, fundraisers, because that's how we survive. That's, you know, um, donations and fundraisers and stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, we do dinners. There's going to be a dinner in October, another fundraiser dinner in New Jersey. Um, uh, we've done Buffalo. We've done Pennsylvania. Actually, Pittsburgh. 
is a big, big supporting uh, place for us here because of Dominic and uh, uh, Lord Zoltan. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him, uh, Lord Zoltan. Um, oh, yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. I, I do. Yeah, yeah I, I he, definitely know a, the name. He's a big supporter of us. And, uh, you know, Bruno San Martino um, has been up here finally. <laughs> and uh, he came up because he was actually a big supporter when it started. And um, at the time when it had started, uh, he was all for it. And he thought we were somehow affiliated with WWF or WWE. And uh, he didn't want any part of it. So we finally, uh, Dominic DiNucci was inducted about, uh, I think, two years ago. And uh, Bruno said, you know what, I'm going to go up and be a part of my friend's induction. And he came up, and it was great. It was excellent. He finally got to accept his award. Um, his induction ring and plaque and stuff, so it was cool. Wow. Excellent, yeah. excellent. So, all right, so um, so now, so uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, what the, what the, what the actual hall uh, is like. I mean, for somebody that uh, you know, was planning to uh, make a, make a trip and uh, go, and go out there, oh, what you know? What would what would they what would they see in that when they when they go? Because now I know um, I don't know, John, if you uh, if you ever uh, went out to uh, the late uh, Vern Langdon's uh, Slammers uh, gym out in Sun Valley, California, because uh, he had he had you know um, quite a few artifacts in in his building and that. Oh no, I've um, never been there. No. Yeah, he he yeah when he when he was alive uh, he had he had you know quite a quite a bit there in that but um, you know so kind of you know kind of give kind of give us a you know a mental picture of what you know what it's like for somebody when they when they walk into the doors of your building there what what you know what they ex- would experience in that. Um, well, we have. Uh we have the uh, outfits on display that wrestlers have donated, um, and they're not all behind glass cases and stuff like that. They're right there, you know. Um, they're they're right there for you to see. We you know we ask of course we obviously ask people don't touch them, but they are right, right there in front of you. Um, uh, yeah, pretty much wall to wall actually outfits and uh, figures, action figures. Um, Anything you could think of that's wrestling related, we have it. We have belts. We have a belt from 1922. Um, Yeah, we have uh, a uh, Goldberg WCW belt that was actually donated by WCW um, right before they had been bought out by Vince. And, uh, yeah, we have some neat stuff. We have, uh, you know, some Lucha Libre masks. We have Rey Mysterio mask, um, and it's all—it's all the real, 100% real deal stuff. You know, I mean, I know you could buy replica belts and replica masks and stuff, but this is the—this is the real deal. Um, and there's there's two floors of it, and that's just in the, uh, you know, the museum part, the first building, and the second building we're working on. So that's going to be our library when it's up and running, and um, we do autograph signings um every once in a while for um fundraising and uh-huh. we actually have the second building uh the bottom part of the second building 
completed. So when we do our autograph signings, we do it in the second building, so you have like a little sneak peek of it. And uh, actually, uh, Fabulous Moolah and Mae Young were big supporters of us. And they were great ladies. They were they were great, great, great women. I can't stress that enough. And uh, we definitely uh, the mood was different this year at induction weekend without May, and uh, we really miss her. But uh, uh, she is charismatic. Is she as charismatic and as funny as she is when you see her? Oh hell yeah! Oh hell yeah! (laughs) She was (laughs) she was awesome. Um, You know the first time. The first time, um, another guy that helps out down there, um, it was one of his, actually it was his first induction, and uh, Mae Young was the first uh, wrestler that he had met in person. And I know how she is, and Tony, the president of the place, knows how she is. So uh, we said, hey, uh, go over and meet Mae Young, introduce yourself, you know, let her know you're part of the hall and anything she would need, let her know you're here. So he goes over and he says, hi, my name's Jamie. Uh, you know, it's an honor meeting you. She shook his hand and punched him in the stomach. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, oh, yeah. I do have to ask, um, she has been gone. It's been four years today. Are there any plans to uh, put Luna Vachon in the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame? Um, honestly, and this is the God's honest answer, we have no part of who gets chosen, actually. That's what makes us um, so unique, um, and, and actually it, it, it makes it that much more special for the um, the wrestlers when they get picked, is we don't actually sit down and say, oh, well, this was a good name, let's put him in this year, or put her in this year. There's actually a selection committee, and... Um, a ballot goes out. There, there's uh, three people that, that are in charge of it, and they yeah. get a group of selectors. Why don't you tell everybody who those three people are? Because I looked at it on the website, and uh, when, I, when I saw, I was like, yeah, they, they definitely would, would know, you know who belongs and who doesn't. Um. <clears throat> Right now, because we change them every two years, I believe it is. Okay. And um, so right now is Cowboy Johnny Mantell out of Texas. He was big with the uh, Von Erics and stuff and Fritz and all that. We have uh, Ray Licamelli or Ray Apollo, which was Doink the Clown after... after Matt Bourne, he was the doink that did the whole run with Dink and Bam Bam and all them. Mm-hmm. So he's a big mm-hmm. supporter. And uh, the last person this year is actually uh, Stan Larry Hansen. So he, those yeah. three guys would know. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, they get a group of selectors together, and um, it can be wrestling historians, um, actually wrestlers themselves. Um, managers, colleagues of the business, um, people like that, and they send, uh, uh, you know, they they they, make, they get a a group of names together and they send it out, and um, you know, it's kind of like a chain effect. They send it out to them, and you know, they pick the group of names. They send it out to the selectors. Selectors vote. 
Um, it goes through uh, one more process. It gets sent back, and that's how they're chosen. Actually, it starts in October, and we don't find out who gets the finals, you know, uh, picks and selections and stuff until uh, about November 15th. Around then is when we get it back, and then we have uh-huh. to confirm it. We have to confirm it with everybody, and um, then in December we actually announce it and start putting the tickets on sale for induction weekend. So it's it's a process, but that that's what makes it so much more meaningful to these guys because um, they're they're voted in by their peers, you mm-hmm. know, and 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 that means something to them, you know, especially if uh, you know, uh, say me and you were for, were wrestlers and we had some heat. Uh, you know, outside of the ring our whole career and it was well known and you know, we're done, retired and then a few years later you select me to go into the Hall of Fame well that's going to mean a hell of a lot more than just a friend picking me because me and you didn't even like each other and you thought highly enough of me to put me in the Hall of Fame so, you wow. know, it means it means a lot to them the, the way we mm-hmm. do it So, yeah <clears throat> yeah so. But uh, Luna, yeah, yeah, Luna, um, getting back to that. So uh, that's why I cannot tell you if there's any plans because we don't have any part of it. Um, but I know someday she'll be in. Um, I hope so. She she came here. She came to the hall. She loved it. Her father, Paul, comes every year. He's a big supporter. Um, mm-hmm. He's a great guy. You know, so <clears throat> she will be in. Um, I just, you know, like I said, I can't tell you when. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, you know, like I say, I mean, looking at the, looking at the website uh, today, I was looking, I was looking at, uh, you know, again, your uh, selection committee and, uh, and your, uh, you know, um, board, because you guys have got quite a uh, large board from, uh, you know, on there and that, so yeah. you know, kind of, you know, kind of tell me, a, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what the, what the, you know, what the function of everybody. I mean, yes, Tony is the president. What your job is running the, you know, day to day affairs of the of the hall and that, and then, uh, you know, and then uh, what the uh, uh, board of directors, uh, what you know, what their what their involvement is. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. All right. Um... Well, I am the one that uh, now I uh, I go out and find the uh, talent to bring in for the fundraiser, like autograph signings and uh, things like that, and the one that negotiates with them and stuff like that to get them to come in. And um, I help put other events on, you know, like induction weekend. There's a huge, we have a huge uh, block part, well, not block party, but like a like a festival outside, and um, induction weekend is always in May, and it's always the weekend before Memorial Day weekend. So right. <clears throat> it's a nice weekend. At, at least it always has been when we've done this. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hopefully, the weather's um, with you this year too. Yeah, I hope so. But uh, yeah. um, the street is blocked off. And uh, there's over 140-something vendors that are outside. Uh, you know, anything you can imagine is Wicked. out there. 
there's uh, music and food and all the wrestlers are walking around mingling with everybody and it's you know it's just a cool time but yeah um i set up events um i bring these guys in um i keep in contact with with tony if any um like promotional work has to be done i work on that um i do a lot of the um the designing every year for induction weekend we uh we have a new uh t-shirt to go with it you know um for that year and uh it'll have a new logo on the front and it'll have um the class of that year on the back so i design all that and i i uh make uh little um like hype videos for when we bring people in you know highlight packages and stuff and put them out on the internet um i run the uh the the twitter page for it and stuff like that so there's a lot of things that i do um Tony takes it, you know, a step further. Like I said, it's like a chain of command. You know, I start it up, and once I get it to the point where I need to hand it over to Tony, I hand it over to Tony. Um, the board members uh, meet with Tony. I believe it's once or twice a month they meet up, and um, they discuss, you know, financials and where we are and, what our future plans are and uh, if they have any kind of input on what they think we should do or what directions we should go in or what ideas they have, um, you know, they voice that. And and we, together, all of us try to, uh, you know, take the next step in the right direction for the hall. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Wow. So, and now, now at this point, uh, you guys are just you guys are just open on the, open on the weekends, correct? Yes, yeah, yeah, yep. We're volunteer. That's why. That's the reasoning. We're all volunteer, all of us. Um, so you know, it's not like we're out there doing it to get paid or you know get a paycheck or something. We're doing it because we we really love it and we want it to survive. So um, yeah, so we're only open on the weekends because we all work there in the week and stuff. So. Okay. Well, that's cool. At least yeah. you know you keep yourself busy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I do want to break uh, some news to you. I don't know if you're aware of it, but RVD, ladies and gentlemen, is now a free agent. He will yeah. be appearing yes. next month, the 20th of September, in New Jersey for Pro Wrestling Syndicate. <clears throat> yeah, I saw that. I saw that uh, today, actually. That's that's pretty cool. That might be somebody that could stop by the hall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, now that 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 would be a that would be a great, uh, you know, great opportunity. I mean, that would you know definitely bring some people out there to you know if you get if you get him to uh, do a signing for you. That I mean, I know uh, uh, just this past weekend. Uh, uh, you had uh, Larry Zabisco. Yeah. So. Yep. He's a great yeah. guy. Great guy. Yeah. Very cool guy. Very cool guy. Yeah, he was there um, this past weekend. Uh, it, it was pretty good. Pretty good signing. Um, about a, uh, probably about three weeks to a month before that, we had Sabu here. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a mixture, you know. Uh, we've had. 
Oh man, that's really cool. We've had, yeah, we've had. Uh, oh, what's his name there? Um, See, I, I was think trying to think of his ring name. Uh, D. H. Smith or Harry Smith, whatever he goes by now. Oh, Bulldog okay, son. right. Yeah, right, we've had yeah. him. Yeah, we've had him. We've had uh, you know Jay Lethal. Um, cool. Uh, yeah, Angelo Savoldi. He was. He just recently passed away. I don't know if you guys oh, are familiar damn. with him. Oh yeah, um, that, yeah, I familiar with Angelo, right? I've heard his name. Yeah, but, yeah, he but, was you know, really cool. You know, when I think of Sabu, the only thing I can think of, and I know it's real generalizing to do so, is him getting his neck broken by Chris Benoit. Yeah, yeah, the that first was pretty time, sick. Yeah, first time <laughs> Benoit walks in the ring, and you see his neck crunch. You see oh yeah, it. yeah, you see everything neck. just compress right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh gosh! Well, to coincide with Hall of Fame weekend. What was that? Do you guys do an event to uh, coincide with Hall of Fame induction weekend? Yeah, actually, um, uh, the night before the induction ceremony. So it's always a Friday and Saturday. So next year it's going to be May fifteenth and May sixteenth. So, um, May 15th is a Friday, like I had said, and a, uh, a wrestling company will come into town, usually here in Amsterdam, right in the town, and, uh, they'll put on a show, a wrestling show, they'll bring talent in. The last few years, it's been a, uh, um, this independent promotion out of Syracuse, New York, who's really good and up and coming, called, uh, Squared Circle Wrestling, 2CW they go by, and uh okay. yeah, they're really good. And uh Staffers they had uh, Yeah, we got we got friends of ours that actually know them, so yeah, so yeah, that's great. Yeah, they're really they're really good, you know. They they're uh got a good group of guys. They really, really have talent. Um they had they had brought in this past year, uh or this past May I mean. They had brought in um Kevin Steen and Chris Hero and uh, Chris Sabin, and mm-hmm. I, last year's show was uh, they had Terry Funk and Kevin Steen and Terry Funk had like a little brawl type thing that was really cool. So um, yeah, every year it's it's usually a different company, but the last uh, I think it was two years we we went with Two CW just because they're phenomenal, they're great guys. Uh huh. All but, right. Uh, we've had TNA here. Our tenth induction, actually, I believe that was in 2009. Our tenth induction, mm-hmm. uh, we were kind of trying to go all out a little bit, and uh, that's the year that Bruno was here. And uh, actually, Macho Man Randy Savage passed away on our induction day. Oh. So oh, that's that, okay. That's yeah, bad. that that really kind of killed the mood, you know, especially with all. Um, the wrestlers here that, you know, were friends with them and yeah. worked with them and everything. So they were kind of all bummed out. But, you know, like the nature of the business, they push on. And uh, we had, we had um, yeah. the wrestling show that year was actually TNA came to town and did a show for us. Oh, so wow. That was really, yeah, 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 that was really cool. Rob Van Dam was here and uh, Mick Foley. Mick Foley, actually, he's a... Uh, he he comes to our events actually the past uh, three years he's shown up to induction weekend and uh, he just you know the one year he came 
um, for that TNA show. And then the following year, he showed up at um, he showed up at the induction ceremony just to go. Uh, and the following year after that, he had shown up, and uh, he was supporting Dominic Danucci being inducted because that's who trained okay. him. So. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. Now. Uh, you know. Of course. Uh, you know. There's. Uh, speaking of Randy, there's been you know of course a lot of controversy over uh, whether or not Vincent ever going to put him in, and then you know there's. Uh, now some questions about uh with uh you know relations with the family and that. And uh yeah, Randy is in yeah. you guys' Hall of Fame and that. Um so yeah, what remember uh, what he said, remember what he said. I right. will when I will not go into the WWE Hall of Fame and so my brother goes with me. That's right. right. So yeah. what so yeah, so how you know so how did you guys, you know, manage to uh you know Convince the convince the family. Hey, you know, we you know he deserves to be, you know, in in our Hall of Fame. Um, Laney actually is a big supporter of ours, and um, he was actually the master of ceremonies a few years ago at our induction dinner, mm-hmm. and oh. um, he actually it was pretty cool. He um, Macho he didn't come when he was inducted. Um, uh-huh. He couldn't make it. Um, at that point in time, he was not really. Um, he wasn't really in with the wrestling business too much at that time, and uh, he just didn't want to show up. Which you know, some of them do, and that's fine. We respect that. But um, he was. He was. Macho, I believe. I'm almost positive. Macho was alive. Um, mm-hmm. And he knew about it, like I had said, and we had reached out to Laney to try to get a hold of him, and um, he was really humbled by it. Um, he did want to make an appearance, but he was just so far out of the business at that point. He just said thank you, you know, but I, yeah, I, I'm not going to be there. But um, okay, actually, he 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 respected what we were doing. Um, his father respected what we were doing. Uh, yeah. Laney respects what we were doing. He, like I said, he was our master of ceremonies a couple years ago, and uh, he was excellent. He's another great guy. Um, but yeah, he, they they accepted it, and and that's what I was trying to say before is a lot of the people, <clears throat> a lot of the wrestlers that uh, um, how do I word this? Um, they're kind of, uh, I guess I, I don't know, bitter. I guess towards WWE and their uh, Hall of Fame or whatever is because of the way that it's done. Um, you know, like, ours is for wrestling. You wrestled. This, that's what you're in for. You know, you, when you go in the, in our Hall of Fame, you're going to be standing next to other people that wrestled. You're not going to be standing next to a game show host. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Fucking so, funny. Thank <laughs> you. So they uh they they know that and they respect that and if you actually well I'm sure WWE had taken it down by now but if you go on YouTube there's actually the whole segment of when Bruno accepted his um ring and plaque and uh uh-huh. the speech he just gave was phenomenal because um 
at that time he wasn't back with with Vince yet, and mm-hmm. um, it was a big deal for us to get him because he wasn't really doing that many appearances. I mean, the, he's getting older and stuff, you know, and everybody knows his views on how the business changed and all that stuff. So for us to to get him, and especially before WWE, was great. Mm-hmm. And um, right. his speech was awesome, you know. He talks about he talks about that in his speech how how um how how much they respect the the PWHF, you know, for how they're picked to go in and um what it stands for and the class that we have and the way that we do things, you know. They they really, really I can't stress it enough and I'm not tooting our horn, I'm just telling you what what they have told us um mm-hmm. they really really just respect the hell out of the way that we do things there and you know and the, once they come they uh have a hard time leaving um roddy right. piper when he came here's a great example he was inducted 2007 i believe mm-hmm. he came Another for his induction. Boy. yeah he came for his induction and he saw his we have their um on the first floor, when you walk in, we have from the first induction, you know, all the way up until we run out of space on the wall, <laughs> we have <laughs> the the year and plaques of everybody that's been inducted. And uh-huh. he went to his plaque, and he's just looking at it. And after he walked around the hall, he went back to his plaque, and he was staring at it, and he just started crying. Oh, and wow. Yeah, yeah, it was a really cool moment. Um for for us to know that, you know, hey, we're we're doing something right here and uh we need to keep it this way. So you know that it's uh that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's cool to wow. actually get that kind of emotion out of them. Yeah. <clears throat> so now let's now let's talk about that because I mean uh definitely the uh the standards for even getting nominated, let alone getting selected, are very, very stringent. So why don't you yeah. kind of go ahead and, you know, and tell us, you know, what the requirements are to even be considered for uh, the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame? <clears throat> well, you have to be um, in the business for 20 years. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm just getting over a cold, so my voice is kind of shot. <laughs> but okay. um, you uh, you have to be in the business for at least 20 years. Um, you have to be at least uh, 50 years of age. Ooh. <clears throat> okay. All right, um, well, let's see. I'm making sure the requirements right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, two of the requirements right now, Al, so. <laughs> All right, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, those are, uh, <clears throat> that's, that's uh, you know, I mean, obviously if there's, um, if there's any, like, outside of the business, if there's something major that happened and you were picked to go in, um, we don't automatically say, nope, you're not in. You have, you know, you killed somebody or something. 
You know what I mean? We try to um, make it fair and, and separate personal from professional um, lives. Um, so, you know, if there's a if they, if someone is picked with some kind of background like that, um, it will uh-huh. be taken to the board. It'll be taken to the board, and it'll be voted on, and we take it from there. All right. Wow. I know one of the most controversial ones that comes up when you say that is uh, Abdullah the Butcher. I know Billy Graham is pissed and wants out of the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, I think I've got his legitimate Facebook, and I was reading it the other day, and what I read just sickened me. Um, I don't know. According to what he had, uh, Abdullah never bladed him, but he did get hepatitis from working mm. with a and uh, his liver is failing fast, and he they've given him two years. Shit. Yeah. Um, That's really shitty. Yeah. Um, Not to mention the whole thing with the Hannibal guy in Canada. Yeah. Uh, honestly, um, uh, Billy Graham, I, I don't know... Um, <laughs> I don't know, honestly, if that's even, if he's trying to say that he got the hepatitis from Abdullah. Um, I think that, from what I gather, that's what he's trying to say. But, um, I don't know. Um, I'm not, I'm not one for putting anybody down. I respect the hell out of everybody. But, uh, Billy, Billy Graham's a, a different type of person, I guess I could say. Um, oh. You know, he, he's been down here with us and a couple times and uh, oh. really, liked, really liked what we were doing. Um, I wish nothing but the best to him. Um, but sometimes um, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't put how you uh, exactly feel out there when you're a well-known person like that, <clears throat> in my uh-huh. opinion, the way that he sometimes does, he, sometimes he gets a little extreme with what he says, and uh, I, I personally just, you know, if he just said, hey, you know, I don't like this guy, there, there's some heat between us, but that's between us, okay, All that's right. cool, whatever, but you don't have to go out and, you know, I, I had read what he had said a little bit, um, about Abdullah, you know, dying, your piece of crap, I, you know, stuff. I hope you die yeah. a slow death. I mean, that's a little too much. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a muddy situation. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, yeah. and I, I'm not saying that I'm not still an Abdullah fan because I am. I but can't I don't, say I'm I not either. I don't, I wasn't there. I can't say what happened. Exactly. All I know was Hannibal was awarded a lawsuit in a court, and they didn't yep. find evidence of it. So there's evidence there. Yeah. I just look at the evidence. I'm not here to start yeah. problems, but I look at yeah. the evidence, and that's the facts that I can go on. Yeah, right. yeah of course, and I'm right there with yeah. you. Um, yeah, I, I agree 100% with what you're saying, man. Yeah. 
Right, right. So, okay, now we've you know we've we've talked about the the hall and everything, and that we will kind of you know obviously uh, get back there. But let you know, let's go ahead and let's talk about let's talk about you, John Kell. I mean, obviously, of course, you're in this because of your of your love of uh, wrestling and that. So, where did where did that start? Where where did the you know where did John Soto get the bug that you know eventually leads you into doing what you're doing now? Um. Well, uh, as long as I can remember. Uh, my mother told me it was probably around the age of three when uh, uh, my uncle and my cousins uh, were, were really close. And uh, I'd be at their house, and my uncle would be flipping through the channel, and, and he'd put wrestling on. And uh, uh-huh. soon as as soon as he would have that on, and that's a cliche story. Everybody says that, but no. you know this is this is legit. I mean, uh, you know this is. Um, uh, I, I would just stop what I was doing, and it was like I was in a daze just watching the TV. And ever since then, it's just been in my blood. Uh, uh, from that, you know, from being little um, and, until, oh man, I think I was 14, um, I always said I uh, that's what I want to do. I want to be a wrestler. That's what I want to do. I don't care what I have to do. And uh, when I turned 14... Um, I actually started going to wrestling school and uh, wow, training. Like almost a mere image of mine because <laughs> I had seen some local independent shows and then there was a promotion that just boomed out of nowhere. <laughs> and Steve can attest to this because he was helping book for another company uh, that was in the area. And out of nowhere, this company came, came that was Revolution Championship Wrestling. And I mean... They started April 20th, 2002, and I was with them from the day they opened to the day they closed. And it was yeah. a great run. It was a really great run. And then I started training when I was about 12 or 13, and yeah. uh, I did what I had to do to get into the business. I helped and set up the monstrosity that was the RCW ring, which I've never seen another ring like that one, and I'm glad because, woo, that thing took about... Oh. Two hours to set up, and my God, wow. the metal on that was uh, no it, joke. It's not a high spot uh, ring, I'll tell you that. It was like half dying. Yeah. So, uh, um, all right. So, so who were so who were you starting to train with there, John? Who was? Oh, there was a uh, a little wrestling school in Schenectady. I, I'm born and raised in Amsterdam here, so. Um, in Schenectady, which is about uh, 10, 15 minutes away from Amsterdam. Um, they uh-huh. were called 20, 24-7 Wrestling. And um, they actually merged with another group called World of Hurt Wrestling. All so right. um, I started going there. Um, I had known the uh, one of the people that um, sponsored some of their things and stuff like that. So uh-huh. I had got into it and um, started training there um, by a gentleman, um, Chip Stetson. That, that, that's what he was in the business. And a really great guy. He really knows his stuff. He's been around. Um, and uh, Tony Mamaluke was actually there from the FBI. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, Tony Mameluke was there. Um, Tony Atlas would come in um, pretty regularly um, <laughs> and train with us. So um, I they they tell me um, when I was there, they told me, you know, uh, you're supposed to train from what they tell me. Um, mm-hmm. we, we're comfortable with training people for six months, um, to a year before you have your first match in front of a live crowd. And we really mm-hmm. want you to know your stuff. Right. I trained for about, I trained for about three, four months and they said, man, you're, you're ready to go in front of a crowd. Wow. Um, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, it, it just came natural. It was one of the things, you know, cause when I watched it. I studied it, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just didn't knew it, I guess. I don't know. But um, so, uh, you know, I go in and um, we get this character together and everything ready, ready for the big, uh, for the big debut and stuff like that. And uh, I got hurt going over my match. I uh, oh. I went to do a baseball slide out of the ring, and my boot got caught on the canvas, so my Damn. body went out, but my foot didn't. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah, that yeah. sounds like the time I dislocated my elbow. I went one way, my elbow turned inside out. <sighs> Jesus, yeah, yeah it, it was not fun. Yeah, it it was not fun. Um, it was not fun at all. I tried to hide it, actually. Uh I, I turned away from the trainers. I was sitting on the edge of the ring. I turned away from the trainers and took my my uh, boot off, and um, I was able to move my foot up and down and stuff like that. But it just blew up like a balloon. So before they could uh, find out what happened, I put my boot back on and tied it as good as uh, as hard as I could for support. And I got back up in the ring and started running the ropes, and uh, it just gave out on me. And um, yeah, and uh, I, I, you know, I refused to go to the hospital for a few days, and then I finally went, and they had told me if I kept walking on it the way that it was, it would have just snapped one day. It just would have gone, just snapped. Oh, so was, Yeah, so I was in a... Oh, damn. Oh. <laughs> so oh, I was in a, uh air cast for a while, and in that time frame while I was injured, the uh, the place had closed down. And um, another place had opened in the same building, new owners, new name. So I started going there, and um, we did a couple shows, and it went off pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. And then one night they just closed down and left town. I don't. I still do the Damn. thing. I don't know what happened. Yeah. So wow. when I got when I got into that, because um, I played football uh, my whole life and everything, and um, I was one belt under a black belt in martial arts. Um, Ooh. So I, I did some pretty physical things. So uh, um, I, I was having problems with my back, and uh, the doctor told me, you know, uh, you can't do any contact, anything, sports, for about two years to let your – you have a bad issue with your spine here, and mm-hmm. you're really young. At the time – by that time I was uh, probably – 16 and I already had the problem and you know when you're young you think you're invincible you could do anything you want nothing's gonna stop you 
And uh, I didn't listen to him the first time he told me, and I didn't listen to him the second time this time. So, uh, I, you know, they closed down, so I said, okay, well, might as well do it now, you know, and not do anything now. And nothing ever opened back up, and uh, I went back to football, and I shouldn't have. And it just, uh, you know, my back never healed, so I... Unfortunately, was uh, that that was the end of my wrestling there. So, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I still love it. Obviously, I, I love it. I watch it. Um, I actually was in wrestling school with a couple of guys that actually made it. There's uh, two guys that are on TV right now. Um, one of them is Luke Harper, mm-hmm. and and That's uh, something. Yeah, yeah, he's a cool guy. He's he's a really cool guy. He's from. Uh, uh, Rochester, New York. It's about two hours from me. But um, he would come down to that school in Schenectady and train. And um, another guy is in TNA, and that's uh, Kenny King. So, cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, two really talented dudes. Um, you know, so that's pretty cool. But um, then I, I uh, found out about the hall, um, you know, obviously years later. Um and I uh, just showed up, and I said, how can I help? And Tony mm. said, just start showing up. You know, we have so many people, and it's and it's the truth even to this day. Um, we have so many people come in, and they say, oh, I want to help. I want to show up and volunteer. I want to be a part of this and help it grow, and then they, they you never see them again. So, um, uh-huh. or, you know, that once they find out that it's a non-paying gig, they're gone, you know. So, um, and they think they're gonna freaking meet John Cena every day. So, um, <laughs> and it, it's just not how it goes. But, um, you know. So then I got into the the PWHF, um, volu- you know, starting to go down and help Tony. Um, I was volunteering. I was doing anything I could just to stick around. I was cleaning. Uh, the whole building, I was scrubbing the windows, cleaning the floors, anything just to stick around. And, uh, you know, that was seven years ago, and I'm still there. Wow. So, wow. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. My gosh, that's amazing. That is, that's just, that's just amazing. You know, that's, I mean, you, you've got a great story there, John. Now, um... Like you say, this is you know this is a 501 uh, C3, which uh, for those uh, who are not uh, familiar with the code, that means that they're a uh, nonprofit uh, charitable organization. In that, so um, why don't you kind of explain to everybody you know about uh, you know how how you guys raise funds, uh, how anybody that's uh, out there uh, listening to this show can. Uh, you know, help help out and you know, kind of help keep the keep the hall going and that. Um, well, there's a number of ways. Um, if you go on our website, which is uh, pwhf.org, there's a link on there, and you could just um, donate. You know, um, a lot of people do that through the internet now. Mm-hmm. You can donate to different various things. So you could do it that way. Um, We do have an online store, and you could go on there and purchase whatever you'd like, and uh, that helps us. Um, 
there's also a link on our website to uh it it um it pretty much uh guides you on if uh you wanted to put together any kind of fundraiser um it'll show you you know um it'll help you get through that to do it to uh help us out and stuff like that or um we do fundraiser dinners like I mentioned earlier we've done them in um Pittsburgh, Jersey, Buffalo, uh that we Toronto, this is our sixth Ooh, uh, Toronto. this this yeah, this is our sixth <laughs> um Titans in Toronto. Okay, where um, in Toronto are you going to be? Do you know where? Cuz well, I'm here and um, I know Toronto. Well, I can tell you in a second. Give me one second here and pull it back up for yeah, you. Because I remember it's for the 27th, right after the day after my anniversary. So. Yeah, it's the 27th, and it is. Where's the address? <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm looking for the address for you. I'm so sorry, dude. <laughs> I am entirely sorry. No, okay, because no, it's, it's, if um, I can go, you know. It's the uh, the place is I guess called the Factory Lounge. Okay. Um, thirty four. Uh, sorry, small writing. Uh, thirty four. <laughs> Futurity Gate Unit Eight. Okay. Vaughan, Ontario. That. Oh, it's in Vaughan. Um, okay, I know where. Yeah, there's on on Facebook. If you type yeah. in uh, Titans in Toronto Six, it, yeah. a, whole, mm-hmm. a whole page will come up with all the information. Yeah, Vaughn is um, slightly. Vaughn is just like I'd say a pubic hair outside of Toronto. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it is. It uh, is. Uh, we don't go um, there, Katie. We don't go there. <laughs> I could. I could have told um, something else, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we uh, we have that fundraiser dinner coming up um, October. Um, I'm not sure of a date yet. Um, I re- I don't know if you guys are familiar with Irish Davy O'Hannon. Um, he was okay. a former wrestler. Um, okay. He's putting on a fundraiser dinner in New Jersey. Um, uh, like we do the autograph signings. Um, I'm trying to get it together to where we can do an autograph signing every month or every other month. Um, cause mm-hmm. that'll really help out. Because before it was just, you know, whenever we could get somebody. But <clears throat> I'm really going to try and push for it to uh, be every month or every other month. Um, mm-hmm. um, what else is there? The the uh, induction weekend. Um, that's that's huge, actually. Um, that, that's a huge help. Um, like I uh-huh. said earlier, the we'll get the ballots back in November, and we will announce the 2015 class in December and when we announce it then the uh tickets will be available um now you can get a meet and greet ticket Ooh. um just to show up and meet whoever's there it's $25 for a ticket so that's not too bad because there's probably about 30 wrestlers that show up so <laughs> that's 30 different people you're going to meet get autographs pictures whatever and you got to pay 25 bucks i mean that's not bad so no, that's, um, that's a great deal. Yeah, um, you can buy a dinner ticket for the induction ceremony, and um, that's really cool. You just uh, it is actually uh, uh, to me that's one of the that's the funnest thing that weekend. But cool at the, at the end. So, um, but uh, 
Yeah, that's sixty dollars. You get your dinner ticket. Um, you go to dinner with the, with the whoever's there, whatever wrestlers show up, and uh, you know you eat with them and you watch the new class get inducted, and then afterwards you take pictures or talk to them, uh, whatever whatever you want to do. Go to the bar with them, whatever you <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> you know, you just uh, hang out and have a good time. Wow, wow. Sixty dollars, man. That is a that is a that's a steal. Yeah. Seriously, that is that is that is that is a steal. I mean, come on, you know. I mean, uh, let's you know, guys. Let's let's face it. I mean, you know the uh, you know the average ticket for a WWE event. Oh, you're. I mean, let's put it this way. You're you're not even. You're maybe if you're lucky. Oh, sitting up. Sitting up literally in the rafters of the building for sixty dollars. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. here you are getting to getting to eat and hobnob with you yeah. know very famous people. This is just I mean yeah. you know, that that's a that's a that's a heck of a great deal right there, John. I mean seriously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good time. It really is a good time. Um you know, if if you're a wrestling fan, which hopefully everybody listening to this is <laughs> Um, it's a great time to meet, you know, people that you watch growing up. Um, you know, your, your parents may have talked about or your grandparents and you actually get to sit there, you know, and people sometimes show up and they think it's like, um, you know, like, you know, these people are, are celebrities, you know, so they, they think, oh, you stand back here and talk. No. We're not like that. You walk right up, you see George Steele, you walk up to him, shake his hand, you know, have a conversation like we're having right now. You know, it's mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's really fan friendly. So Wow. That's real that's sick. That's cool. That's yeah, I mean hell shoot, if I you know, if I could if I could manage to pull that pull that off, uh we would definitely be up there, I mean, you know, because, I mean, a lot of these guys that, uh, you know, you talk about, that I've actually fortunately had the privilege to uh, work with, you know, here on the Chicago independent scene, so, I mean, there's, you know, there's there's guys that, uh, you know, sit there and it'll be, it'll be catch-up time because it'll be like, oh, my gosh, I haven't seen you in, what, eight, ten yeah. years? How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And then the stories they tell, that's worth the money in itself because you're not going to get that anywhere else. So, oh, Lord, no. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's definitely for sure. And, and another way I forgot to mention, um, if, if anybody out there would like to uh, help or anything, uh, you can sponsor um, things too. Like you could sponsor an autograph signing, you know. Like say I'm trying to bring somebody in for October and uh you call up and you say hey i'll give you a you know whatever 200 dollars sponsorship you know and we'll put your name on the poster cuz whenever we have an autograph signing we make up a big poster of the the wrestler that's here and um we'll put your spon- your company or whatever you want to go on the poster you'll be on the poster and that goes worldwide because cool. um yeah because our uh our fan base is mainly worldwide. Mm-hmm. 
Um, or, you know, I shouldn't, it's from all over the world. They come in, like, we've had people from Russia, we've had people from England, um, Japan, uh, France. We had a student come over that was in uh, college in France, and he was writing his final paper on wrestling. And he came from f- France just to come to the hall and do some research and stuff like that oh. for his paper. So, my gosh. Yeah. That is awesome. So, all right, all right. So, all right. Well, tell you what, here in the in the last couple of minutes, John, why don't you go ahead and you know um, tell everybody you know um, how they you know how they can how they can follow you guys, how they can get in touch with you, uh, things like that. <clears throat> um, well, you could go on our website for uh, you know to stay updated with us. It's uh, pwhf.org, or we're on Facebook, and we're at uh, facebook.com slash pro wrestling hall. And our phone number at the place is 518-842-0022. And, uh, (coughs) excuse me again, and um, follow me on Twitter. It's uh, at pwhf518. Um, I'm always updating on there and putting some things up on there uh, to keep everybody updated. So, uh, yeah, we, we'd love to uh, hear from you, love to see you, have you come visit, you know. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, Sean, we got to make sure that uh, we get that uh, we get that link up on uh, our Facebook page as well. So uh, we got to make sure that we do, you know, that we do do that because uh, we've, yeah, you know, uh, like we were talking about at the beginning of the show three three hours ago. My God, hard hard <laughs> to believe we've been on that long tonight. Uh, you know, I mean, our our show has oh you know, gotten to the point where we have an international audience. I mean, we've got uh, oh. listeners and uh, we do? subscribers. Yeah, yeah, you know, okay, we've got we've got people that. Uh, that listen, you know, the show that uh, are in Scotland and Japan. I mean, you know, if you if you look at uh, who uh, is on our Facebook page and that, you know, I'm shocked. That's awesome. <laughs> Good for you guys. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So, all right, excellent. Um, Sean, anything else that uh, you can think of on uh, your end over there? Uh, not for John Soto. Uh, we'll move on to our other segment. We'll go into After Party for a little bit. We're going to cover trivia. We'll cover Raw. We'll cover a little bit of TNA and uh, a couple other things going on on the independent scene, and we'll wrap it up for the night. All right. Excellent. Well, thanks once again, uh, John Soto, uh, uh, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, uh, pwhf.org. Uh, make sure that uh, you guys... Uh, I'll check them out on the web. Check them out on Facebook. Uh, if you're uh, if you're visiting uh, the uh, East Coast, you definitely got to make sure that uh, you make a uh, trip out there to see them. But uh, John, thanks again for uh, coming on the show. And uh, when you guys uh, get ready to uh, make the announcement of uh, the uh, next class, uh, let me know, and uh, we'll definitely arrange for you to get back on here again. All right. That'd be excellent. Thank you so much again for thinking of us and having me on and spreading the word. That 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 means so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, our, great our pleasure, John. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you. Okay. Uh, bye-bye.
Right. Yeah. All right, ladies back and gentlemen, we're going to another song break, and we will be back. Uh, if you're not called in within the next two minutes and 40 seconds via Skype or phone at 646-478-0073, you will not be able to hear what we cover in After Party until it goes archived. So please stick with us. We will be back in just a couple minutes. You are listening to PWR Slam on the Back to Basics Radio Network. Everybody
A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, W, R, Slam on the Grave Show Network, on Nickelodeon, on the Oscars, on the Grammys. You are listening to the Warlord of Weird, Sin Bodie. Over and under, over and out, Roger Dodger, look both ways before you look across the street and skate on thin ice while running with scissors. Peace. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It's Sadistic Sean David. It's the Dean of Wrestling Referees, Steve Kane. And it's Tank Girl. And, ladies and gentlemen, I want to add somebody to the call at this time. He has not been around PWR Slam for a very long time. Please welcome back to the Slam, Brian Bubba Wayne. Oh, hey! Thanks for on here. I'm leaving. Fuck. <laughs> yes, uh, I love you, Tank Girl. Blame Canada. <laughs> oh gosh. Hey, Bella, how you how you doing, man? I've been, I know you've been uh, kind of out uh, nursing a uh, little bit of a uh, neck issue in that. How you feeling, my friend? Well, let's see. I feel like six weeks ago I had some uh, implanted bone parts put in my neck. That's mm-hmm. pretty much how I feel right now. Wow. My gosh. Well, hey, good. You know, it's good. It's good to hear your voice again, man. Uh, I mean, uh, definitely, definitely, we've uh, we've uh, missed having you on. So you know, hey, welcome, welcome back, buddy. Welcome back. All right, guys. Well, we're going to go over this day in wrestling history, and then we'll go over Raw and TNA and uh, a couple things that are going on, and we'll close up for the night. All, All right. right. Sounds good. We covered, uh, we covered <laughs> who... I muted my own covered... <laughs> <laughs> We covered... Gosh, I spit out it. We covered who... Uh, won the uh, Intercontinental title at SummerSlam 24 years ago. Texas Tornado defeated Mr. Perfect. Brutus Beefcake was originally scheduled to compete for the title, but was pulled after parasa- after a parasailing incident. Right, the parasailing accident that, uh, that uh, fractured his face and... Uh, Almost ended his career. In fact, almost ended his life. So. Wow! And I, and I forgot that Dusty did some WWE time. Randy Savage defeated Dusty Rhodes. Yes, yes. Well, or the giant polka dot. That's uh, really what he was at that point. So, uh, but um, absolutely. Twenty years ago, we covered that the whole ECW thing. Nineteen years ago. Shawn Michaels defeated Razor Ramon in a ladder match to retain the WWF Intercontinental Championship, and Diesel defeated King Mabel, rest in peace, to retain the WWF Championship. Right, right. And, of course, that was the original ladder match, the first of its its kind. So, oh, that's... Fifteen years ago, can you guys remember who debuted on TNN? 
Okay, 15 years, yeah. Let's see, okay. ECW? Yep. Right, I got to say. Yep. And Roller Jam? Yes, I got to say, part of their part of their Friday night fight. Now, EC, ECW uh, from uh, 7 to 8 and Roller Jam from 8 to 9. That is correct. Uh, oh, Eddie my Guerrero gosh. And China defeated 14 years ago at <sighs> SummerSlam. Val Venus and Trish Stratus in a mixed tag match. In this match, China won the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Steve, I was going to say China, but I thought it was wrong. All right. er, I'm sorry. 14 years ago at SummerSlam, Edge and Christian defeated the Dudley Boys and the Hardy Boys in a tables, ladders, and chairs match to win the WWF Tag Team Championships. And for those who benefit from flash photography... (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and also at that SummerSlam The Rock defeated Triple H and Kurt Angle In a triple threat match To retain the WWF Championship Angle suffered a concussion And missed most of the match Due to an announce table collapsing As Triple H went to pedigree Angle Ooh. Yeah there you go, the pitfalls of the business, folks. Now, anybody, anybody who uses the uh, the F word doesn't know what they're talking about. Oh, things happen. This stuff hurts. Thirteen years ago on Raw from Grand Rapids, Michigan, the Hurricane did defeat Matt Hardy to win the European Championship. And it was shortly after that that the European Championship was retired. Thank oh. God. Yeah, yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> Nine years ago uh. in Buffalo, New York, Nigel McGuinness defeated Samoa Joe to win the ROH Pure Championship. Mm. Wow. Five years ago today, Dixie Carter made her television debut on TNA Impact. In her first interview, she announces TNA's new deal with Spike TV that would extend through 2012. Yeah, and then she would totally ruin TNA. (laughs) Fuck, I just dropped a really big piece of wood. Yeah. Yes. Well, we'll definitely... We've already talked about it. Four years ago, Luna was found dead. I was supposed to meet her. She was supposed to be on a WWA show, uh, WWA's one-year anniversary show with Gangrel, and uh, somebody got jealous and called Wizard World, and uh, or White White Wolf. I'm sorry, White Wolf, and uh, was able to get Gangrel and Luna Pult from the show. And it was shortly after that Gangrel came back and on SmackDown with uh, Viscera and was doing a whole stint with The Undertaker. Yeah, yeah. Now, again, I've, you know, which I've, which I've uh, heard to this uh, before, and that uh, I worked, uh, I worked with Luna in a uh, WWZ show uh, over in Hammond. And, I mean, you know, she had just, co- she had just come off of WWE TV at that time. And, you know, so here she is. I mean, she is this, you know, name star, the daughter of another, you know, huge name in this business. But, you know, 
every time every time she would see me, every time we would talk, she would always call me sir. You know, and I mean, you know, to this to this day, the respect that this young woman who again, you know, was a superstar in her own right at that you know, at that time had for had for me just, you know, I I just, I just am, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm awed and humbled by it. She was actually, she was truly one of the kind. I wish I really would have yeah. gotten to meet her. I really did want to meet her because she's I, nice. I loved the nice. stuff when she was in Bam, with Bam Bam Bigelow. I mean, the whole face, yeah. like Bam Bam. Oh, that uh-huh. was so was cool. Sick, man. But seriously, she scared the shit out of me when I was in my early teens. She did. <laughs> <laughs> Scared the ever living fuck out of me. I loved her. Don't get me wrong. I loved her, but it was just like, holy fuck, she creeps me out. <laughs> but yeah, it's oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, it was a very, you know, very calculated, uh, you know, um, gimmick in that. And, you know, everything, everything was designed for, for maximum effect. And, and she, she pulled it off. No question about it. Oh, absolutely, so. she did. She knew what she was doing. She yeah. knew what she was doing, and she did. She put fear into the fear into her into her opponents. You could see it. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I, okay, I, I don't. Know. The divas today are talented, but ain't tough like her. Yeah, not but you know what? None, none. I'm I'm gonna say this right now. Okay, none of at least you know, the divas and we have to and you know we well, we you know let's let's be specific you know WWE is divas TNA is knockouts but honestly the only real wrestlers that they have in that group are Natty AJ mm-hmm. and Paige oh. Oh, the, the, come on! I mean, the, Bell, the Bellas are good. Come on now. The Bellas oh, are oh good. God! Don't even, don't even. Don't even. Come on. Don't even. Don't even get. Don't even get me started on the Bellas, because uh, you know, I mean, as I as I posted on Facebook, uh, I'm not impressed. Yesterday, with them, yesterday, yesterday morning. You know, honestly, you know, if if I if I were if I were a drinking person, that first hour of Raw. Would have alone would have bored me so bad that I would have been passed out drunk on my couch. That's oh. you know, and I mean, and you know, again, I don't even I don't even want to get into get into crybaby Bree. I you know, <laughs> it just I'm, I mean, honestly, you know, it's like I mean, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna get I'm gonna get on my soapbox on this one because it's like you know. I mean, you know, you, you have, you know, I mean, you know, like, you know, three years ago, three years ago, Brie Bella was a total you-know-what. I mean, you know, remember when, 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 Kia, when Kia Stevens, when Kia Stevens, Kong, Karma, whatever you want to call her, okay, made the, made the announcement that, she was oh, going to have to leave because she was pregnant, and that. Mm-hmm. 
and, and then she missed and the and the bell and the bellas came on and I mean I am telling you they 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 laid they verbally laid her out. Yeah, they did. You know, and now, and now what? And now what? You know, and and you know, three weeks ago, you know, three three weeks or so ago, before before SummerSlam, you know, Breeze coming on, calling Stephanie a you know what, and you know, having a fight with her, you know, and you know. Now, now, now! All of a sudden, she's turned into this wimpy, blubbering crybaby. I mean, you know, give me a break. To to quote Gorilla Monsoon, God rest his soul. It's with and I hear you, but without her sister interfering, Brie would have won that match. Okay, well, well she didn't interfere. She turned yeah. on her sister. No, Steph right, should but, not well, have won that match at all. Stuff can't fucking wrestle. Come yeah, now. but yeah, but I mean, but you know, I'm I'm saying, look at the storyline, look at the characters. Yeah. You know, what sure. you know, what have they what have they done, you know, to Brie Bella? They have just they have turned her into honestly a bigger wimp than oh, you know, yes. God rest his God rest his soul, Adrian Adonis. When they had him, you know, out in the pink trunks, you know, with the with the uh, boa doing, doing, doing the whole, you know, character. Yeah. You know, I mean. But you know what? I mean, like nobody knows. Did he, if if he actually ended up doing that character, just for loved doing that character. He lived for that. He loved it. So yeah, to say yeah. that he didn't doing it. Yeah. Right, but I mean, I'm, yeah, it's a revamped Gorgeous George. Yeah, but I mean, yo, know, but but like I say, I mean, yo, know, Bree is a Bree is a bigger wimp now than oh uh, than the than the limp wristed character that Adrian and Donna mm-hmm. played back in right. back in well, the '80s. You know, well, and it makes me it makes me want to puke. Into then we will move into Raw. Um, only thing that I saw that was really interesting with Impact looking over it is uh, EC3 won against Rhino. Yeah. Well, I got. I mean, I got I got to see because, of course, uh, I don't. You know, I didn't. I. I've, I've got it recorded in that, but uh, the uh, I'm. I'm wanting to see the uh, triple threat uh, tag team match between. Uh, between uh, Team 3D, the Wolves, and the Hardys. I mean, that just uh, in and of itself. went against Austin Aries. This might be interesting. I might have to check that out here in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, those, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a, a, a great pairing. The two of them uh, work uh, really, really well together. You know, and of course now with uh, with James Storm uh, playing playing the role of. Uh, of master um, over Sonata, uh, you've got you've got that uh, extra added element in that. <clears throat> now, um, now speaking speaking of TNA, um, of course, uh, everybody everybody knows that uh, um, their contract with Spike is 
not getting renewed. They're going nope. to that that deal ends in uh, October. But there is somebody else that has expressed interest in Spike TV. Um, hmm. Now, now have now have any of you guys now have you guys heard this one yet? No, I have not. No, you have not. So I will not. Probably have you? No, I don't pay much attention anymore. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, um, you know, for you know, if you if you for cable and I mean, this is this is something. If they get this deal signed, um, they will they will be able to be seen literally anywhere because oh, uh, even even if you even if you don't have cable or satellite. Because apparently our state, our own Chicago station, which travels across the across the the country, um, on you know, on both uh, you know cable and satellite systems, WGN has expressed interest in possibly picking up TNA. When their contract expires with with Spike in October, Ooh. I think it'd be a great move for both both stations. I mean, both TNA and WGN. Yeah, yeah. Because WGNs um, want to make that move into more original programming, which I mean, TNA technically is original programming, and TNA needed a better cable outlet than Spike. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know. And, and you know, again with WGN, um, you know, if here, you know, here in the Chicagoland area, um, you know, even if you don't have uh, have cable or satellite, uh, if you've got a decent uh, antenna hookup, you you can still you can still see it. Well, yeah, it's like so, it's like so a broadcast the, channel, basically. Right, it is. It is so channel 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 nine. Uh, you know, here here in Chicago, you know, um, and you know, again, all throughout on uh, on nationwide uh, cable and satellite systems. So, I mean, you know, anything anything like this is is definitely um, definitely definitely a big win for you know for both parts because they'll definitely. Definitely be some money because, of course, uh, um, WGN is owned by the uh, Tribune Company, uh, so they've so there's definitely there's definitely some uh, there's definitely some tall cash there. Well, that was though so you know, get I've said this on this show. I've said it on other shows. That was my biggest problem with Spock was they never used their media outreach to put behind TNA. Right, which. You know, let's which let's be honest. Uh, uh, Spike has never been known to really support its programming. I mean, you know, ask ask Paul ask Paul Lee about that. You know, from well, I mean, the, from the days with ECW, you know, they do the they do their MMA, they put uh, they do their cops, they do their basic programming that they do. You see their advertising for their men's show, back when they had the man's show, back when they had stupid ass programming, they put all kinds of advertising behind it. Right, right. right. They, no, they didn't. They never have. 
Right. I'm not saying MMA <clears throat> program, and don't get me wrong on that, but they did. Yeah. Brought, you know, they got behind that. They got behind some of their bad programming in the past. But something they yeah. could have actually made money with and been partners with, they didn't. Right, well, right. Yeah. Although, although the rumor is that uh, part of the thing that uh, um, uh, squashed uh, the uh, TNA renewal is that they wanted ten uh, percent of the company, and uh, and Bob Carter said no. So, you know that uh, you know so that that might that might have been the deal breaker right there, and that um, that was a bad you know, one. And it, right. I was saying, okay, you, we'll give you ten percent if you up your support across the, across the uh, advertisement platform. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it could it could have been it could have been a win win situation for both sides. But uh, oh, for again, that you know, they would have to give them something. Right. If they right, just wanted ten exactly. percent and, and nothing in return, then yeah, I, I would have said no. But if you give us something in return for that ten percent, then yeah, right, exactly. I mean, you know, because of course, obviously, we're not uh, privy to you know, uh, the backroom negotiations in that, so we don't know, you know, what uh, what was said and you know what wasn't said to uh, do this. But uh, so the other the other uh, good thing, Bob Carter's handling yeah. the negotiations now, right? What's that? You said Bob Carter's handling the negotiations now. Well, Bob. Well, Bob. Bob has been all along. Uh, in fact, um, in fact, uh, when uh, Toby Keith looked like uh, he was actually going to uh, buy buy TNA from them, um, the thing the thing that killed the deal was Bob's was Bob's insistence that uh, Dixie remain in the post as president. And have a uh, and have a weekly on-air role on the show. Well, Tanky, this question's for you. Did you know oh. uh, that uh, Crazy Steve on TNA, he's part of the Menagerie, is a Canadian oh. wrestler by the name of Steve Scott. Oh, very cool. That is very cool. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know. Oh, I like Crazy Steve. That that he's he's funny. He's good. He's good. You know, um, too bad for them about Rebel because she definitely uh, brought a a uh, oh, little bit of eye candy to the to the whole group and that. Uh, you know, but again, you know, like I said, injuries happen. So, no. you know, but. Um, you know, but uh, you know, but getting back to this whole thing too, Bubba. Um, one of the one of the other advantages, uh, you know, with this WGN deal is because they're part of the uh, uh, CW network, and that um, you know, putting putting that putting that name behind behind them, I think will uh, definitely aid as well if they can go ahead and get this all worked out. Well, the biggest two benefits I see from them going to, if they were to go to WGN, is one, WGN does a better job of advertising across cable platforms, and two, is the fact that it is a Tribune thing, and they would do a better job of advertising 
they would have that outlet for their shows and cities. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. I mean, and, you know, they are one of the much on uh, Raw or TNA or SmackDown, so uh, not much to cover there. We're just hyping yeah. for another Cena-Brock match. Hopefully Cena will get the shit beat out of him again. <laughs> yeah. Let's do yeah. 25 concussions. <laughs> yes. I yes. mean, 25. I'm sorry, not 25 concussions. Eat, 25 eat, duplexes. Wait. Yes, eat, sleep, suplex, repeat. Eat, sleep, suplex, repeat. Yeah, see how many times Paul can uh, can uh, say it on the, on the uh, raw after that. <laughs> <laughs> My client Brock Lesnar countered John Cena. Yep. Yeah, and maybe in more and maybe in more ways than one. Uh, oh, uh, the uh, reports that are coming out right now that. Uh, there's a lot of concern backstage about uh, John's overall physical health and that. Uh, and, you know, I mean, of course, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, sit there and realize that, uh, yes, he's he has spent the better part of, uh, of 10 years on the road, 300, 300 nights a year or so uh, in various towns getting pounded in that. But they also don't sit there and add into account the 10 years prior to that that um, he was knocking around between uh, Independence and New England till he uh, uh, went uh, went over to California and uh, spent uh, spent time over over there in uh, APW with uh, the late great Roland Alexander. Uh, till he till he got uh, signed and then went over to uh, OVW uh, before before he got uh, before he got called up to the main roster and that so I mean yo he's been he's been doing this since basically he was a teenager and that and I mean Bubba can tell you I can tell you how this stuff does add up on you and that. So, I think that's what's always bothered me about the people that put Cena down, is they don't respect... Okay, yeah, he doesn't have the super offense of some of the guys out there, but he is one that will go out there and give one hell of a performance in the ring, as far as yeah. putting the other person over. Granted, right. but I'll tell you straight up. I'll tell you straight up. It was nice seeing him getting that big shit down by Brock Lesnar because lying there in the middle of the ring. Okay, I'm sorry. I enjoyed that. Just to remind me of Hogan. He's getting all the fuck it up. He's in half the time he doesn't fucking deserve them. Okay? How many of you had to put up with fucking names? Yes, it's one lady that does a lot of reads and, and, and for kids and wish and everything. But you know what? Let someone else have that top spot. It's time. Yeah. That's exactly well, it. Yeah, but you know, again, this is it's Vince's marketing machine, and that. So I hear it, but there's you know, other people who are just as marketable. Well, it's not about. I'm what I'm saying is not about who has the top spot, <laughs> whether he's the middle spot, that or whatever. People are still going to dog him about his. He sucks this and that. Right. No. Am right. I not even these sucks? It's okay, not my it's point. Not. 
always about how good of a offense you have in the ring. It's about sometimes you're judging on how much your defense is in the ring too, or your ability to take as much as it is to give. Yeah. And that's what buzzed me when another wrestler says that about him. Especially some of these independents out there that, oh, they can fly around the ring and they can do 100 moves in the first five minutes of a match. But they can't sell for shit. They can't take a move for nothing. But yet they can go out there and judge John Cena as a wrestler. And I'm like, when was the last time you told a story in a match? When was the last time you took a bump as well as you gave one? And I'm like, yeah. you can't judge you can't judge anybody if you can't tell a story for one, and you can't two. Uh, open your mind up enough to actually take some offense instead of giving a hundred moves in the first ten minutes of a match. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you know, the art the art of the art of the storytelling. Uh, which I mean, we we've, we've said this we've said this before with. Uh, a lot of uh, big name guests in that. Uh, you know, the art of telling the story has really become lost in this business, uh, which is very, very sad. You know, it, that's what that's what makes wrestling is I being mean, able. I'm sorry, if you can go out there and make Rick Colley have a good match, like he did. What? How many years ago was it they had him and Colley in the title run? Oh, it was like God. five five months yeah. there in a row. He had opponents like Mark Henry. Mark Henry's a passable wrestler. Don't get me wrong. Mark right. Henry, Great Collie, and guys of those natures that they were sending after him month after month. Each match was a good match because of John Cena's ability to sell for those guys. Yeah. He was carrying those guys. And that's why a champion, the top guy, is supposed to do. Is, is carry the guy he's in the ring with. Yep. He's yep. supposed to make exactly. the talent he's in the ring with look good. And that was what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, how many times, we'll go back to, it's always the Ric Flair, John Cena comparison. I don't know why it's always Ric Flair, but that's who it is. Because that's what Ric Flair did. But most of the time, the guys that Ric Flair Ric's was in the ring with were actually pretty damn good workers. Right, right. Mean, didn't realize yeah. how good Dick Slater was or Greg Valentine. You know, it was, those guys were great workers like Jack Morgan. You know, of course, Sting, even when he was young, wasn't that great worker. He got to be a great worker. But, of course, right. Steamboat, Roddy Piper, uh, you know, Barry Windham, all those guys were great workers, Dusty Rhodes. You know, they were all great mm-hmm. workers. But of course, their matches were great. Terry Taylor, Ricky Morton, you know, the name goes... But there was other guys that people didn't see as great workers, but were great workers because of the era they were in. But, of course, there was guys out there that wasn't great workers. But even the jobbers back then, Denny Brown, Rocky King, and guys like that, Flair would have these off-the-wall great TV matches with. But it wasn't always just because of Flair, because those guys were great workers on their own. It was just because they wasn't the TV main eventers, you go to a, a local town and those were the main eventers. Right. And that that's why the Flair Cena comparisons don't hold water. Because those right. guys were great workers. But today you don't have as many great workers to stick in the ring every single week, every single month, 
with a guy like Cena or Randy Orton or, you know, Dolph Ziggler or guys like that. So, but when he is in a ring with a great worker, you have a really good match. But then when he's in a ring with a horrible worker, you still have a good match. <laughs> so I don't know. It, 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 the comparison would be more like having him compared to Hogan. Their offenses are, he's got a better offense than Hogan overall, but his defense, you know, Hogan could sell when he wanted to, and people might think I'm crazy, but you go back and look at some of the matches Hogan actually had to sell in, and Hogan really could sell when he wanted to. And the matches I'm talking about would be against guys like Andre, of course, Ultimate Warrior, Savage, um... You go look at some of the matches Hogan had with Stan Hansen, and you really can see where Hogan could sell. Right. You know, or you go look at some of the matches Hogan had prior to WWE, and you really see where he could sell. Right. So, I mean, that's more the comparison you need to make with Cena, not Flair. Because Flair was always in the ring with a great worker. Hogan was always in the ring with a great worker, and his matches wasn't always great, but they were what the fans at that time wanted to see. They wanted to see that Hogan come back until about 1991, 92. Then the fans got tired of it. Right. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to wrap this up. This has been the latest of PW, edition of PWR Slam, number 47. We are just three weeks away from our 50th episode. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, it will be the return of Jesse Neal. And we will have another guest. Stay tuned to our Facebook page at PW Pro Wrestling Roundtable. And uh, we will see you all here next week. Thank you, Pink Girl and Brian, for, for joining us. And to all of our listeners, thank you. Oh, excuse me. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Stick on the ice. Good night, guys.
Today's sales leaders face a difficult task, selling the right products at the right time through the right channels. A new three-day program from Harvard Business School Executive Education addresses this problem directly. Join us on the Boston campus in August for Managing Sales Teams and Distribution Channels, where you will discover strategies that can lead to the best sales performance. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me sales. That's hbs.me sales. Panera now delivers, so you can order good, clean food right to your office or door or porch or backyard or front yard or apartment or dorm or castle or shop or worksite or wherever Panera delivers for lunch, dinner, and everywhere in between. Click the banner to order or visit PaneraBread.com. Participating locations only. Panera. Food as it should be. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.